But you're talking about what? You're talking about... Bitching about that sale you shot? Some son of a bitch don't want to buy land? Somebody don't want what you're selling? Some broad you're trying to... So forth. Let's talk about something important. Are they all here? All but one. Well, I'm going anyway. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. <laughs> you think I'm with you? I am not with you. I'm here from downtown. I'm here from Mitch and Murray. And I'm here on a mission of mercy. Your name's Levine? Yeah. You call yourself a salesman, you son of a bitch? I don't gotta listen to this sh You certainly don't, pal. Because the good news is you're fired. The bad news is you've got all you've got just one week to regain your job, starting with tonight. Starting with tonight's sit. Oh. Have I got your attention now? Good. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. You get the picture? You laughing now? You've got leads. Mitch and Murray paid good money. Get their names to sell them. You can't close the leads you're given. You can't close You are Hit the bricks, pal, and beat it, because you are going out. The leads are weak. The leads are weak. Leads are weak. You're weak. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? You. That's my name. You know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. And your name is your wanting. And you can't play in the man's game. You can't close them. Then go home and tell your wife your troubles. Because only one thing counts in this life. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. You hear me, you A. B, C. A, always B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. favor, followed my advice, and fire your effing ass because a loser is a loser. The best movie ever made. Uh, six minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of September. In the year of... I'm sorry. What was I thinking? In the month of September. Uh, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and hate-filled studios of AM 970. The Talker. Uh, this is my friends, the Rick Emerson cavalcade of whimsy and amusement. Thank you for joining us today. It's uh, 503-733-2970. When I get on board, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, ruminations, uh, sales exhortations, whatever it is you might have. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able, and drenched in the worst cologne I've ever smelled in my life. 
uh, to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. A little Glengarry Glen Ross uh, there to uh, to begin today's program. So yesterday, Network. Well, Friday was Patton. Yesterday, Network. Today, Glengarry Glen Ross. Tomorrow, I just don't know. We're trying to do a famous movie speech. I mean, I know that we always do a movie speech or scene, but I'm trying to do iconic, legendary speeches uh, every day this week. I really don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. Tim, ideas, suggestions? I have to think about that. Yeah, I'm not. There's just so many to choose from. I just don't. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. All right, well, in any event, uh, if you want to engage with us electronically, uh, like the kids do, it's Rick at RickEmerson.com, Rick at RickEmerson.com, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. I do not have, nor shall I be obtaining a Twitter account, so y'all are just gonna have to live without that. I did see the greatest thing the other day, though. It was a some sort of a, like a screen that somebody put together. It was a representation of what a Twitter feed would look like during the zombie apocalypse. And that was pretty righteous. It's 503-733-2970. It is Tuesday. And welcome to Day 12. We're going to start things off with this quote from Anderson Cooper last night. Anderson Cooper's AC360, a fine television program. i got to say, that guy has exceptional hair, too. I mean, I know he's practically perfect in every way. But his hair... Uh, that's quite something right there, that hair on top of it. And let me just tell you this. That's a guy who knows how to pick the right tie. He, and I suspect that he does it himself. I mean, a lot of those guys have handlers. People come out and dress them. Some sort of Donna Moss type that comes out and tells them exactly what to be putting on. The, I have a strong hunch Anderson Cooper dresses himself. That guy knows how to find the right tie. Because, you know, the tie makes the clothes, and the clothes make the man, kids. Maybe uh, his mother picks it on and ties it. <laughs> perhaps. Before they have dinner with Ken Cosgrove. Uh, more wine ken anyway uh so this quote is from anderson cooper last night they were talking about sarah palin who does appear to be a nutcase in like a hundred i mean which just makes her hotter because she's got crazy eyes and i spotted that like first off like like the two fridays ago does it seem like only it was like 10 days ago that he picked her he didn't even know who she was 10 days ago nobody knew who she was it's from drinking the blood of a moose yes it is tim and bathing in the blood of children so she's got crazy eyes, but now it appears she's got, what do you call it, crazy brain as well. So and that just makes her more desirable. It just makes me want to defile her even more, you know, you know, like in a, in a nonviolent sense. Um, That's like the creepiest thing you've said today. I'm just saying, did you see her on stage last night talking about how they actually had, I heard that she said this, but they had video of this last night. Her saying that, A, talking about the Iraq war being God's will, of course, you know, because God loves war. Really? Yeah, God loves to kill. And, uh, and then also the Alaskan pipeline, that's God's will as well. And I guess maybe, like, whether she washes the car today or not, that's probably the will of the Almighty. As Sam Kinison once pointed out, it's strange that God never, like, just, God never tells anybody to go check the tire pressure. It's always something like a war. It's never, Pat Robertson, go check the oil in your Mazda. Uh, anyway, so they were talking about her last night, and they had all this video of her on stage at her church. And I, I, don't, wish to, I don't wish to start the program off on a confrontational note here. But I will say that they interview some full-on, screamingly crazy woman who is talking about how she speaks in tongues every now and again. That lets you know. And let me tell you... The woman does, or Sarah Palin? Well, Sarah Palin's church believes in speaking in, in tongues. And as somebody who was raised by a mom who not only believed in speaking in tongues, but who occasionally did that when I was growing up, let me tell you, first of all, it's crazy. Second of all, it's terrifying if you're a child. And thirdly, did I say crazy? Let's say it again. It's crazy. So they had Sarah Palin on, on stage yesterday. But I swear to God, this is the money line here. They were talking about how she was baptized uh, in the blood of uh, the lamb or, you know, whatever. This is the quote from last night's CNN report about Sarah Palin's faith in Jesus. 
This is a direct quote. I'm not embellishing this quote or embroidering it in any way. Yes, kids, Sarah Palin was baptized in Beaver Lake. Mm, that's what I'm talking about right there. Sarah Palin has been baptized in Beaver Lake, and I think you know what I'm talking about. All right, uh, lots to get through today. Seeing a radio correspondent, Jim Roop, hating his life in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, where I guess the trial of Orenthal James Simpson is now still in the jury selection. But I was talking to, uh, talking to, by talking to, I mean looking at on the television. I was uh, watching Jeffrey Tubin last night. He was the senior legal analyst for CNN. And he, he, he may be, I mean, he's in the top three of my favorite CNN TV people. He's right up there with, uh, with um, David Gergen. Uh, but he was talking about the OJ thing and how it, he had, the, he had the greatest line when he was talking about O.J. Simpson. He said, well, as I understand it, Anderson, they were uh, discussing some memorabilia, or the technical term, a bunch of crap. So I guess the whole issue is whether or not there were guns in the room and whether or not there were people being told they couldn't leave. Yeah. And they played that tape again of O.J., which is just fantastic. That audio tape of O.J. going, mf you don't go anywhere. You stay there, mf which is just fantastic. I mean, it's got to be a special kind of fear when O.J. Simpson is in the room screaming at you and calling an M calling you an MFer. That scene, your life flashed before your eyes. Oh, I just cut a part of that. I thought I thought you were talking about Obama for a minute. No. Why would I be talking about Obama? I don't know. I, no, it was O.J. Simpson. Oh, uh, I was reading about Obama. Hearing you say it, that. Oh, uh, you're know. conflating the two. No, it was this great tape of of O.J. Simpson screaming at some folks, apparently with a gun in his hand or in the room. Anyway. Uh, we'll talk to Jim Roop about that. CNN Radio correspondent Dick Giuliano uh, will talk to us about because I don't understand, and I want to make sure this is the sort of thing I like to get right. Bush is floating this whole business of bringing home 8,000 guys from Iraq, which you know, is good news. But I'm unclear about whether that's sort of how do I put this in terms of troop levels. Don't call about this now. Dick will explain everything for me. But I don't know whether we're paying down the interest or the principal with that. In other words, is that just that surge that we sent over that was like... Yeah, that's probably what it is. ...on top of the guys who are already there, or is that bringing home the guys that we initially sent over? Doesn't matter to me. You know, the American brought back home is an American brought back home. But I I would like to know just, you know, for my own whatever. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Steve Kastenbaum today uh, about, you know, some stuff. Uh, Geek Watch coming up. Corpse Watch coming up today. Uh, Nina Parker from TMZ.com uh, will be joining us. Uh, we're gonna Don't let me forget, we get to the top five in the one o'clock hour today. So I'm sick of not getting to it. Uh, we'll do the top five in the one o'clock hour today. Top five Jane songs. Top five songs about Jane. Um, we'll find out how Richie's audition at the strip club went last night. Uh, we'll give away a pair of Dennis Miller tickets today. Dennis Miller tickets will play Saturday Night Live trivia for that. Uh, so that is a pair of tickets to see him live at Spirit Mountain Casino this Saturday. But then, 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 tomorrow, 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 Wednesday, 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 be there, be there, be there. Tomorrow, we'll be giving away the grand prize, and the grand prize is, again, uh, seats to see Dennis Miller and overnight stay at Spirit Mountain Casino. So you don't have to, you know, because right now, I mean, you know, it's a cool event. I'm going to be there. You know, it's, you know, I know a lot of people who are going. But, you know, either you don't drive, drive home at the end or, you know, take care of your own room or whatever, which is fine. Uh, but we're going to be giving away the grand prize tomorrow, which is a pair of passes to Dennis's Saturday night show and an overnight stay uh, at Spirit Mountain Casino. So there's details about this at rickemerson.com. Uh, but tomorrow you will, be, uh, you will be ranting, therefore you are. Uh, so you want to be preparing. You can either write it or you can freestyle it, but it's got to be original. you got to prepare a 60-second rant. Because Dennis Miller really did raise the, the rant to American art form, to a science. So tomorrow, all day tomorrow, we will be going to the phones and taking your 60-second rants. They can be about any subject of your choosing. You can write it. You can read it. Uh, you can uh, do it off the top of your head, but it's got to be original. Tomorrow, 60-second rants on a subject of your choosing. We'll be taking those all day tomorrow. 
At the end of the show, uh, the best rant as determined by we, the cast and crew of the Rick Emerson Show, scores the grand prize, which is tickets and overnight lodging uh, for Dennis Miller. That's tomorrow. Um, well, you know, a, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. A Portland woman is accused of charging $40,000 to your mother's credit cards. A 3 alarm fire destroys a rubber business in Southeast. An auto safety grip is pushing for the minimum driving age to be raised to 18. Hurricane Gustav blows Florida's pink flamingos all the way to Mississippi. 99 cent stores will raise their prices for the first time. Is Kim Jong ill? Ill? <laughs> there are 56 days to go before the presidential election. <clears throat> An Atlanta woman tries to trade her baby for crack. Well, okay. And the corporate router at 3rd Street has failed. Please stay off of YouTube in your dreams. The what has what? Apparently the corporate router that serves 3rd Avenue has failed. And therefore, it's slowing down our internet access. Thanks, 3rd Avenue. Thanks so much for that. And because we have to share everything with Kink, they're asking us not to use any internet streams and stay off YouTube. You know what we really are, Tim? Uh, I got two observations to make. One is, you know, we are we are... The dog begging at the dining table, which is filled with with kink uh, people. That's really what it is. You know, uh, kink is the sort of family sitting around having Thanksgiving dinner. We are the small, scrappy, like, schnauzer down on the floor looking up going, <coughs> hoping for a bone. That's really what we are. Also, I forget who made this observation. But, you know, we're all team players here. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big believer. All stations must row in the same direction, yeah. uh, my friend. Uh but somebody really, really did put an absolute perfectly fine point on it. You know what kink is? And I mean this in the best way possible. Kink really is the Apple computer of CBS radio. They are the they are the Mac. They they are the Mac store. They are the genius bar at the Mac store of CBS radio. Uh anyway. We're an abacus. It's uh five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. No, an abacus you know what an abacus is classic, Tim. An abacus is legendary, it's iconic. Um, so this is, don't, don't. It's reliable. That's what I'm saying. Um, all right, all of this other stuff to get to. Um, we'll talk to Richie Bristol in a moment. i got to say, first of all, before we talk about Sarah's last night, and I already know a little bit about what you did last night, which is genius, but I will say that Richie is wearing the worst cologne. I'm not going to say it's the worst cologne I've ever smelled. A uh, friend of mine, who I won't name, used to wear something called New York Nights, which was awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like a generic brand? It smelled like the inside of a shoe. It was awful. It was terrible. It wasn't even like a generic brand. Like it had, like it was New York Nights by, you know, Swarthy Incorporated. It was terrible. You're in French Dally. I mean, it was sort of like New York Nights smelled sort of like Lysol, maybe mixed with one of those renews it things that you stick into the outlet and it like puts puffs of sweetness into the air every every 30 minutes or something. It was like a, it was like a remember those things stick up air fresheners from yes. the 70s? It was like that mixed with like Febreze. That's what New York night smelled like. Richie doesn't smell that bad, but what he does smell like today is Stetson. And he claims it's not Stetson, and I'm willing to believe him. I found it. I I, I... Looked up what it is. It's like some fancy French cologne you can't pronounce. I got to tell you though, as a man who wore Stetson all through high school because I thought it was suave, uh, and because it was only like a dollar ninety nine, it smells just like Stetson. And Stetson is the worst cologne. I mean, I'm not gonna. It, again, it's not like the worst cologne, but it's just it's 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 there's no there's no subtlety to that cologne at all. It's a whole lot of like smell me. That's what Stetson is. Like an eat me, drink me, Alice in Wonderland thing. Stetson is smell me. Not smell me and like it. Not smell me and think positive thoughts. Just notice my scent. Um, I mean, it's up there with English leather. 
You know, an English letter or nothing at all. That was my second choice. That's when I became a man in my junior year of high school. And I transitioned. Tra when I became a man, Sarah, I transitioned from Stetson to English leather. I used English leather cologne, English leather aftershave, even though I didn't need a shave, and yes, English leather shower soap. In high school, I drowned myself in sunflowers by Elizabeth Arden. Is it terrible? Yeah, it's it's horrible smelling, but I liked it just because I really liked sunflowers at the time, so I just drenched myself in that stuff. Yeah. Uh, English leather came with a hat. That's why I bought that. A hat? A hat. Paper hat. A hat, a bad baseball cap that said English leather. Sunflowers came in a box with like a chapstick and like some eyeshadow. Yeah. I don't know. Sexy. Tim Riley, do you, uh, may I ask this, do you wear cologne ever? I think I did in the 80s. But not, you don't wear it anymore. Because you're naturally sweet smelling. I wore a polo. Polo. Well, nothing wrong with that. That's a classic. I think they still sell it in the same shape bottle. You know who loves polo? Uh, Mormon guys between the ages of like 16 and about 30. Mormon dudes, uh, like return missionaries or missionary types that age, they love polo. I used to have, when I lived in Salt Lake, I had a producer there, uh, and literally, he was, you know, like the guy who celebrates Michael Bolton's entire catalog. I used to have a producer when I was doing talk radio in Salt Lake. I won't give his name, because he's, uh, I think he lists this show foolishly on his bio for some reason, so he'd be, he'd be, you know, easy to find. But everything he had was polo. Polo shirt, polo like the undershirt, polo cologne. He told me at one point he had pe uh, polo bed sheets, uh, polo towels. I mean, he had like some fetish for polo, and I don't really know why. And that's the thing. Anyway, Richie just smells bad today, and the entire downstairs smells just like Richie. So, you know, be glad you're not here for that. There folks down here. There really are. Yeah. Uh, this whole place smells like a boudoir. So we'll talk to Richie in a bit and find out exactly how his strip club audition went last night. He was uh, trying to be a strip club DJ. Uh, so we'll see if he was successful or not. I have my own guesses about that. Sarah, what did you do last night? Well, I went to the doctor yesterday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I had my blood pressure checked. And I guess I have... This is like your yearly checkup? Yeah. And I, I guess I have freakishly high blood pressure. And uh, so I have to cut down my coffee consumption to four cups a day, which I just not, I'm not, not going to be able to do now, that. Now, I don't understand how what that means. I mean, I know... She, she didn't believe me at first because she took my blood pressure and she's like, that has to be a mistake. So they waited a few minutes and it <laughs> This can't be right. And it was even higher. And she looked me in the eyes. She's like, are you on drugs? I'm like... What? Do you, what? She's like, are you, she's like, you need to tell me now. Are you on illegal drugs right now? I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm nervous that I've had like 12 cups of coffee. But then, you know, because it's like a woman's yearly is not the Oh, this is the, uh, is, this the, is the intimate it's checkup. It's the intimate checkup. And I know you don't look forward to that because no, why would you? nobody does. It's like the worst thing. That's, that's invasive and weird. And it is awful. Yeah, it's like a, like a giant, you know, bright light and like the spec, whatever the thing is. And it was just, anyway, so I was so nervous for it anyway. And then, um, you know, she took my blood pressure. And, and she's like tapping the gauge. This, you should be dead. Yeah, that's exactly I don't understand. It. She's like, I'm not, she's like, I'm very concerned about this. And she took it and like during the time between when she took it first and second, it, it went up even. So, I don't know, it's like one, I can't remember what it was, it was like 150 over 80 or something. Tim, you pay attention to health. You sure nobody was holding a lighter underneath that? Well, here's a yeah. dumb question. What, is, what does blood pressure mean? I'm That's not what sure. I asked her, too. Okay, so I asked her and she said that it's the, um, I don't remember, actually. <laughs> uh, but I mean, she, she, she described it and I can't, I don't really understand how it is. I think it's like the amount of blood that goes through your vessels. But is it, but is it that or is it actually the... Is blood pressure... The speed of it or the the pressure of it? I don't think it's the speed. I think that blood pressure... God, we're dumb. I think blood pressure is literally uh, the amount of stress that your blood is putting on, you know, the, the, the vein or the artery as it goes through. In other words, how much pressure is it putting on the walls of your arteries? Yes. It's sort of like if you were to take a fire hose and immediately put it through a garden hose. 
the garden hose would be would feel strain and might burst because the, the pressure of the water is so much that it's trying to like get through the walls. So that's why if you have cholesterol, your blood pressure goes up because your veins get clogged, and so it's the same amount of blood having to go through a smaller hole, and means the pressure is greater, and it puts a strain, I think, on your veins and arteries. Well, I think that's my understanding of it. I salt everything, and I drink like you know a million cups of coffee a day. So I, I don't, don't know why to... salt is bad for your blood pressure. Why is that? I don't know. Tim? I don't know either. But you go to the doctor way more than we do because, uh, you know, because you're health conscious. I always think there's something wrong with me because I have relatives full of diseases and somehow everything is skipped the generation. Well, and you're just responsible. I mean, let's just call it that. I mean, Sarah and I are irresponsible children. uh, And you are a responsible adult and always have been. Even when you were like 10, you were probably a responsible adult. I don't know why salt is bad for your blood pressure. I really don't. But, see, so... And, and the only reason I ask is because I just had my blood pressure, my cholesterol, all that stuff. And I was, amazingly, I was ready for her to come back and be like, you are about to, do you have a will? Uh, and she told me I was fine. But they asked me the same question, which I think they ask a lot of people, like, are you on illegal stimulants? Are you on, you know, any kind of whatever? And I was like, no. Uh, but it's interesting that she flat out said, like, you've got to tell me if you're on cocaine right now. Yeah, and I think as I just told her, I told her that, like, she was making small talk. She's like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm on radio. And I think that, I don't know, the way that she looked at me kind of seemed like well, she might have dealt drugs. with... Yeah, but she might have dealt with some radio person who came in and there's like... Ah. Yeah. And so I was like, no, God, no. I'm like, I'm just freaked out. I'm like, don't don't people get nervous for this? She's like, well, yeah, okay. And Probably somebody from some rock station. Probably. Well, and she didn't know that... Uh, yeah, and I guess it's strange how much coffee we drink, which I never thought of. Oh, that. dude, uh, when I sat with my shrink, uh, I don't know, about a month, month and a half ago, something like that, because, uh, you know, because they got the whole thing where they they think I'm, uh, you know, I got the AD, the AD and the HD. And because I can't, you know, my brain's all spastic and I can't keep track of anything. And so the shrink is like, so uh, let's talk about your diet. What do you eat? And I'm like, well, blah, blah, blah. And he said, uh, all right, do you drink any coffee? And I said, yes, I do. I drink quite a lot of coffee. And the thing is, I'm totally honest with my shrink. I know a lot of people go in there and, they, you know, they just sort of just they gild the lily or whatever that phrase is. Mm-hmm. But I'm like full on because I figure I'm paying the guy. You know, and so if I'm going to pay him, and if he's unless you have all the information, that's the thing. If I, I get, told three lies and talked back to my parents. Those couple. Of that's lies. totally what it is. No, when you lie to talking to the priest, or you find things to fabricate for the priest yeah. to cover up the real lies. Mm-hmm. But for the shrink, I full on. I'm like, I drink tons of coffee every day. And I, he said, When did you start drinking? He said, When did you start drinking coffee? And I said, In eighth grade. And he said, In eighth grade, really? And I said, I started drinking coffee in eighth grade. That's when I started. I haven't always consumed this much, but I started when I was however old that is. And now I drink a lot. And he said, what's a lot, Richard? And I said, what? And, you know, but it's difficult. Have you guys noticed this with coffee? We're so behind already. But have you noticed this with coffee? When somebody will ask you how many cups, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either. Like, because it's always like half a cup and then we'll just go refill it. Like, But do they mean a measuring cup? When they say a drink... When they say, like, you shouldn't have more than five cups a day or whatever, is that five measuring cups of coffee or is that five, like, coffee cups? That is a good question. I'm not sure about that because these little, well, not even styrofoam cups aren't really a That's more cup. than a measuring cup. Yeah. That's a cup and a half, probably. And so when the guy says, how many cups of coffee a day do you drink, I had no way, and he probably thought I was dodging him. But I had no way to, to answer that question because I drink, I have a, a, reg, I would, a regular American-sized coffee cup. That's certainly more than a measuring cup of coffee. And I just flat out told him, I said, you know what, I drink, you know, many, many mugs of coffee a day. Probably ten. Uh, and I said, I don't know how many cups that is, but I drink like ten mugs of coffee a day. Uh, and he said, oh, you got to cut back on that. And he said, and then he looked at me and he gave me the same thing. He goes, Richard, can you cut back on that? And I said, I don't think so. I know. I told her that I could. And then, like, later on, I was just like, I don't I don't know if I can do that. I, yeah. just, I don't know if I can function. 
So she said to cut it from 10 to 4. Yeah. Which, have, uh, have I've already that. had one, and I'm, like, already feeling like I, I, I need another one. Well, right it's, it's, a, it's, it's a drug. Uh-huh. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's, you know, and i got to tell you, and I live in fear of heart attack. That's my thing. I don't live in fear of cancer because I just assume that's what's going to kill me. The heart attack is the thing that frightens me. Uh, I'm terrified of heart attacks. And I've talked about that a lot. But I, that's when he's like, you know, that raises your risk of heart attack and stroke. And I'm like, oh, come on. That's a cheap shot. That's <laughs> manipulation. So, all right. Well, uh, so are you going to be do? So today, are you going to be cutting down in your coffee? Try. All right. I guess I've only had one cup, and it's eleven thirty. Well, maybe you should schedule it out. One cup an hour. Okay. Maybe uh, if you'll sip it more slowly. Now, see that doesn't work though. That's like when they say if you're dieting, drink a lot of water. That's just stupid. That doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It just makes you more hungry. I would say you you pound a cup every hour. I can I have another cup now? Well, how long have you been here? An hour and a half. Well, sure. All right. I would say every 60 minutes you could have I one cup. I, can, I think today I should just start with six. Six cups? Well, there you go. It's probably good to do that do as opposed gradually. to just trying to cut it off. Yes. There you go. No, that's a good idea. Okay. All right, so. Yeah, and then I saw that that fire yesterday when I was driving Dude, back. That, from, that is insane. I thought a plane crashed. Big billowing. Susan called me and she's like, what's up with the fire? She's like, there's a fire on the east side. I was driving over the Hawthorne Bridge and traffic was stopped. And I thought a helicopter crashed. It was like an oil fire. Mm-hmm. Big, billowing, black clouds. Uh, Tim was Johnny on the spot, though. The CBS Mobile News Department was on that yesterday. Uh, more than any other radio reports. station. You know what? The other radio stations were doing other than network crap. Uh, Tim was on the scene with that. But it was, I mean, it didn't it look like, an, like a car fire. I had yeah. never seen any uh, a fire like that before. The, sm- the black smoke and the red, like, licking flames, you know? It was I like stood crazy. on the sidewalk and watched it. Yeah. I mean, it, it looked like... Did you get close to it all? Uh, no, because of the other side of the river, but I started on the sidewalk here, mm-hmm. and then I didn't leave until it was already over. But it was like just those big hell clouds, like those there will be blood oil fire clouds. Uh, I seriously did not think that was anything else but a plane crash. It looked like it looked really messed up. And the next thing we heard was the roof has collapsed. Firefighters are taking a defensive position. That's never good. So um, we should get some phone calls here in a second, but I we haven't even talked to Richie, and we haven't. Do we have time to tell you? We should say, go ahead and tell your story about last night. I've already heard the story, but oh, the, no. pe- the people need to hear your story of whiskey consumption last night. Oh, no, night. that's it. Well, my, I've been you are taking better care of your body now. I, I am. I am. Six cups of coffee. Uh, nothing. I was going over to Lisa's house to watch Gossip Girl, and um, Jay, her boyfriend, had fixed her friend's car, and so his friend bought him a bottle of whiskey as a, you know, as a thank you. And so Jay went to bed, and then Lisa and I decided to drink the entire bottle of whiskey. And uh, we were, like, you know, watching Trashy TV and drinking whiskey. And then Lisa was drunk, and she's like, oh, my God, Jay's going to be so mad that we drank the whole whiskey. So she whips out this entire kit of food coloring, and we proceed to try and make the whiskey bottle look like it's still full of whiskey. <laughs> and you're drunk. And so we're drunkenly, like, with purple and green and, like, orange food coloring, trying to make this color. Trying to make brown. Yeah, so we eventually make it. I'm just like, Lisa, you're an artist. This is the most beautiful thing. It looks like whiskey. And she woke up this morning, and she said it's dark green. Fantastic. <laughs> And so now we have to go buy him another bottle of whiskey. But it was it was very. I just love the idea of you guys a consuming a whole bottle of whiskey during Gossip Girl and b then uh, now we'll fix it. Yeah. And there was like you know little like spatters of like you know food coloring everywhere and it was it was just dark green. I can't believe that. That's fantastic. So that was my night. And how was Gossip Girl? It was good. Tim didn't watch it. Tim. Don't be All right, we won't spoil it yet. I haven't seen Lara watch it this morning. It was trash tastic. Right. Good. I'm gonna um, watch it tonight. Well, I don't have time to talk about what I did last night. Uh, it maybe. Did you go out in the town? No, I didn't. I stayed home and I killed insects. What it's more interesting that I'm making it sound though. Uh, so did we'll... your ant farm knock over? Uh, no, no, it wasn't that. Although it's sad, the ants have gotten to the end of their life cycle. 
um, the ants of they're going to meet the great spirit ants in the sky. Can they uh, be recloned? No, they can't. But the thing is, it, this is great and creepy. If you buy new ants, they'll come and they'll clean up the old ants. They'll take them to a little burial ground and they'll uh, they'll bury them. But you'll be able to see the burial ground. Totally. Oh. I'll be able to mourn them. I'll be able to go there and you know I'll, I'll be able to go there and wear sackcloth and sit and sort of like you know sort of nod in front of them. Um, no, but it's you know. I don't mean to sound all morbid, but you know, ants don't live forever, and there's no queen, so it doesn't repopulate. So you got to order more ants. And again, the old, the new ants will come in, and they will take the old ants, and they will put them in a little cemetery, which is kind of cool, because mm-hmm. um, it, it's just freaky how highly organized they are. But it's weird because the ants have some sense that they're sort of at the end of the road, and so rather than just sort of walking around and then uh, falling over, it's weird. They have hollowed out this little area down below, and then they all, like Heaven's Gate, they all have gone down to this little area, and they haven't fallen over. They're all just sort of sitting there in suspended animation. Because occasionally I'll bump it, and they sort of get up and they move around like, what's that? Nothing. All right. And then they go back, and they're all down there sort of gathered together in one room, like in this weird sort of like, and now we wait for the great hand of God to come for us. That's creepy. It's kind of creepy, but do cool. Do believe in God? I don't know, but you get the feeling they kind of do. It's weird. They've all gathered in one little room that they carved out, I think, just for this purpose. And they're like, all right, and now we're waiting for Hale-Bopp to come and take us to the next level of existence. And they're not dead, but they are in some weird end-of-life hibernation. It's kind of weird that they sort of made the preparation for, like, all right, let's get to dying. You know, and then even in death, they're, like, way more organized than I am in life. And I got a huge brain. Um... I killed other insects, so we'll talk about that, and we'll talk to Richie Brist about his strip club audition. Not to be a stripper, uh, to be a DJ. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. What's up? Uh, uh, have you heard the uh, the Metallica promo on KUFO? Well, let's, before we move further, sir, let's make sure that it's understood that Rick Emerson is a team player, and that KUFO Absolutely. is our proud sister station, and uh, we uh, we support them in every way. Okay. Having so... Having that knowledge in your head, do you want to continue with whatever you were going to say? Well, you know, it kind of ties into the Emerson radio address. Well, I haven't heard it. What is it? Um, it's Lars talking about, you know, how when he, he's so happy. And when they're on the road, the best place that they want to go to, their favorite city is... Portland. And then, yeah, exactly. And it's like the news about Portland, Oregon. Well, and, what can you do? That's a proud rock and roll tradition, sir. Is it? Yes. You know, you know, it's totally, I mean, how many times have I seen Ozzy in, like, I've seen Ozzy like five times in five different states, and every time, uh, Seattle, you're the greatest ever, ever, it's every city I see Ozzy in, that's like the best city he's ever been to, blah, blah, blah. Well, true, that, oh. yeah, but it's somebody else's voice saying Portland. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's funny then. Oh, I thought you meant it was like Lars just phoning in, literally it's like Portland. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, oh that's yeah. cool. That's genius. All right. See, so they should use the news bot for that. Anyway, all right, no, no, thank no. you. Newsbot is a contracted employee of CBS Portland KCMD, sir. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, it's Heidi. Hello. Hey, I just wanted to give you a little lesson on blood pressure. Yes. Okay, so the blood pressure is the pressure in your veins. The top number is the systolic, and it's when your heart is at... Um, when it, your heart's pumping the blood out. Right. And the diastolic is when your heart is at rest. Okay. So 120 over 80 is normal. Sarah, so, what, is there, what's yours? I was 150 over 80. Is she about to die? You no. can give it to me straight. The bottom number is really oh. the number that they're concerned about. I mean, the top number is important, too, but, you know, when your heart's at rest, you really shouldn't have, you know, a lot of pressure in your veins. Right. So that's 
Well, you were, but you were nervous about it, and you've been sitting in the waiting room for 40 minutes and had a bunch of coffee, and, you know, so I, I wouldn't, I would, not probably nothing to worry about. So, <laughs> look, if mine's normal, yours has got to be normal. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I was waiting for them to tell me that I had to cut everything out, but, uh, all right, thank you. All right, thanks. All right, come more, then we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. What's up? Dave St. Dave, long-time listener, full-time caller. Okay, then. Just kidding. Yes. Uh, yeah. She, uh... Sarah, honey, you've got nothing to worry about. Just do your thing. I think you're wonderful, and you will live a long time and make us all very happy and proud. And Are you in character of some kind right now, or is this like your normal delivery? Well, I hope it's my normal delivery. All right. So you're just you're wishing Sarah long life and the best of health. Yes. All right. And thank I mean you, that sir. Sincerely. All right. Thank though, you, sir. Even though you dislike me. For whatever reason, I don't, I don't dislike why. you, sir. I couldn't quite. I couldn't tell if you were being uh, sarcastic when you were wishing Sarah good tidings. No, 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 no. I would never. I would never be sarcastic where Sarah is concerned. You, no. on the other hand, you know, I've been listening to you for a long time since you were in Salt Lake City, and I was living in other places near there. Yes. And uh, I've always enjoyed your show, right? All right. Well, thank you, my friend. Much appreciated. And uh, right. I got one word for you, but I'm not going to use it. Okay. Okay. Bye. Wow. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. That's way to end that whole sweep right on sort of a uh, kind of a note. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum, hello, sir. Hey, I hate to make you go over things again, but what's going on with Sarah? Because I just joined the show. I don't know. I had my blood pressure taken yesterday, and I have to cut down on my coffee because it was a little high. She's about to die. Uh, she had her, like, you know, yearly checkup or whatever, and uh, so she goes in, and she, you know, nobody likes going to the doctor, and she's sitting in the waiting room for, like, 40 minutes, and so you just, you know, for 40 minutes in the waiting room of inhaling the germs of other people and wondering if you've got a tumor in your head, and then, you know, and then, of course, the doctor takes your blood, and that's a weird thing, actually. You know, they ought to come and take your blood pressure, like, when you're at home, sort of like, you know, watching VH1 or something, but they take your blood pressure as you're sitting there in a room full of sick people in a room full of, like, needles and knives, and so no wonder it's high for everybody. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, so... How much coffee does she drink? <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee. Like, uh, like 10 cups a day. See, but let me ask you this, Steve. We were just talking about this. My, uh, I went to a shrink a while back because uh, I'm apparently nutty, and the shrink was asking me the same thing. He's like, so, uh, Richard, how many... Uh... And he's doing that thing of scribbling. Like I felt like uh, Harriet Welch. He's like scribbling in his notepad the whole time, and he's just, so, Richard, um, how many uh, cups of coffee would you say you drink every day? And And I said... Well, first of all, he asked me how long I've been drinking coffee. And I said, you know, I started drinking coffee really young. I was in eighth grade. And I told him that. And he said, really? Eighth grade? And I said, yeah. And he said, how much do you drink now? And I said that I actually don't know because are they asking, Steve Kastenbaum, news gatherer, are they asking measuring cups or like mugs? No, they're talking cups, eight ounces. But what is that? Like in a coffee, like in a coffee mug, like an off the shelf, you know, uh, world's greatest dad coffee mug. How many cups is that, do you suppose? That's about, that's about uh, um, well, it's usually about 12 ounces, one of those mugs. So it's a cup and a half. So, yeah, more or less. Yeah, so we're, uh, we're drinking more, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, so, I mean, in terms of measuring cups, yeah, I'm drinking like 10, 12, 14 a day. Yeah, I know that I'm drinking uh, uh, 24 ounces of coffee a day, and, that, and that's been cut back. I used to drink a lot more than that. You know, and that's just coffee. Uh, you know, one of our proud longtime sponsors and a fantastic beverage, which you could order there in New York, it's a... Uh, it's a drink called Viso, uh, which is really just an exceptional beverage. Uh, it's sort of a very natural kind of a vitamin beverage made here in Portland. But that I drink the caffeinated uh, Viso, which has like 300 milligrams in it. So, I mean, I'm drinking a lot of caffeine every day. And you know what? I'm just fine. 
And so I think caffeine is a health food. I really do. I think it keeps my body strong. Well, well they say it has pros and cons. There, there are, are no some cons. actual positive effects to caffeine. There are no cons. Anybody who tells you the caffeine has cons is a communist, sir. They're the part of the red menace. I'll remember that. All right. A uh, couple things to talk about. Uh, first of all, I mean, I, I don't mean to diminish the significance when i when i use the phrase let's talk about this and get out of the way i don't mean to make light of anything or to diminish the importance of anything but i do know i mean on thursday you know september 11th and i know that obama and mccain are both going to be in new york and and apparently that is i guess not not all folks are happy about that no uh well they 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 released a joint statement in which they said that they're putting politics aside for the day putting the campaigns aside uh, and they want to uh, remind people of how the United States was unified in the days and weeks after 9-11, so they're going to be going down there for a day. On the anniversary, during the memorial service, both Obama and McCain will be attending. Right. So I called uh, some of the different families groups, the relatives of the victims, and one of the uh, first reactions I got was from a guy by the name of uh, Bill Doyle, who lost his son, Joey, was a firefighter. And he said... Personally, I believe it's uh, absurd. Absurd, he said, and... Why? Well, it's going to be a distraction. Uh, there's no question in my mind. I mean, every camera in the world is going to be on uh, Obama and McCain instead of uh, um, the grieving mother that has an eight-year-old child. And he said it just distracts from the things that they're fighting for every day. I want to uh, see real justice instead of uh, political motives, and that's all it is. It's showcasing. That's what it is. Is this um, going to be one of those things, politically speaking, though, where they're screwed either way? You know, if they don't go... Uh, then they're going to get uh, they're going to get tagged for not being there. No, actually, if they didn't go, nobody would take notice. I think because they try to very much limit the people who speak at this uh, ceremony each right. year, and they try to limit the length of their speeches. And there are very few uh, elected officials that that speak at this uh, event each year. Usually, it's you know the mayor says a little something. Uh, the governors of each state, and uh, maybe one or two other people, but they do a very uh, brief statement, and they do it within the context of the ceremony. They don't give any sort of grandstanding speech. Right. And it is... So, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm not clear on whether Obama and McCain will speak or if they're just going down there to pay their respects to the families. Uh, you know, it is sort of... Ah, uh, never mind. I was going to make that point, but but I you know I sort of agree with you, and I like the idea that they that they do keep you know kind of some real structure to it in terms of who can show up, who can speak, when, how long they're going to talk, because it's you know it is uh, it is distasteful in in every way uh, to make it this sort of pulpit for any kind of even passive uh, grandstanding. I mean, it's just uh, you know it's, uh, for speaking only for myself, it, it offends my sensibilities when things like that are done. Um, all right, well, in any event, you, you know what offends my sensibilities when I get down there. And especially on 9-11, the conspiracy theorists are out there oh, trying to hawk oh, their know. ideas and their books and their CDs as the grieving families are walking by. Oh, I know. Out there with their, their shoddy science and their bad thinking. I will tell you this. It's interesting because, you know, we, we try to – I'm not going to say we take necessarily a nonpartisan view, but I, but I will say we here on the Rick Emerson Show find a fault with both sides of the aisle. And, you know, there's uh, idiots on, on each side of the political spectrum. I, I will say that those, you know, those 9-11 conspiracy guys are to liberals as uh, the sort of freakishly literal creationists are to, are to conservatives. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a whole lot of bad science and poor shortcuts. And it just and I don't know a whole lot about science, but I know enough to know when somebody's sort of going, no, 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 Noah's Ark had dinosaurs on it. Uh, it, it, got, it got so bad that uh, popular mechanics felt the need to put out a book that 
entitled Debunking the 9-11 yeah. Conspiracy Myth. Yeah, I know. It's just... Uh, it is just there's really few things that bug me more than people who just sort of disregard like the rules of physics that we've all kind of agreed to play by here. But you know what are you gonna do? Um, let me let me I'm gonna ask you a question, and I, I only ask this out of curiosity. If, if you would choose not to answer, that is that is certainly your right. Um, okay. I really am only asking because I want to know your your thoughts as somebody who was in New York and who does live there. What what did you make? What was your reaction to? Uh, the convention last week, them playing that 9-11 video. Oh, I mean, I thought after, you know, 2004 that the Republicans were, were done using that imagery, you know, because uh, they, they made a, a big to-do about it in 2004 here in New York, and then Rudy Giuliani got up and spoke, and it was a, you know, a big speech, a huge crowd pleaser, and there was all this 9-11 imagery, and I thought that, okay, they're, they're about to put that behind them, but they, they resorted right back to the same old tactics, right. I thought. You know, uh, um, just so we can sort of end things on a, uh, I don't know, on a, at least a more interesting note. I know that because you're talking about. Really, I'm sorry, I was just yeah. going to add on to that, though. You know, I, I don't necessarily think the Democrats would have done anything different if they were in power at the time that the attacks uh, of 9-11 took place. Oh, no, certainly not. As we often say in this program, one of our maxims is that the uh, the Democrats are on the inside, what the Republicans are on the outside. Right. Uh, these are the, really, there's you know, parties with uh, very similar platforms and almost identical financial backing. Uh, so, and that's, and that's not a conspiracy. That, I think, is just the cold hard facts of our fading republic, sir. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Hey, Sorry that's okay. No, they, I, but they got, you talking about the two things that just, I mean, you talk about opposite of the spectrum. So they got you talking about the 9-11 thing, and then this Harry Potter lawsuit that I guess, so did they finally find in favor of J.K. Rowling that this guy can't be putting out this, like, encyclopedia thing? They did. A lexicon, as it's called. And uh -huh. I tried going to his website, and it's no longer, like, most of it's, not uh, you can't go to a lot most of the pages on it anymore. Right. The Harry Potter lexicon. So the guy created uh, the end all be all guide to Harry Potter. Anything and everything that's ever been referenced uh, in the Harry Potter book it was listed in his lexicon, sort of like you know a glossary more or less of the Harry Potter series. And he wanted to publish this along with a small book company and. Finally, a judge ruled in this case and said it would be a copyright infringement, would cause irreparable damage to uh, J.K. Rowling. And, and she supposedly, she said on the uh, witness stand that she was so distraught over the possibility of some guy publishing this that she could no longer write. She had to stop whatever. writing her new project. You know, that just makes her look like a crank and like a rich, embittered crank as well. Because I'll tell you, there are other uh, books and other, you know, other sort of fictitious worlds that have their own encyclopedias. I do believe there's at least one, and I think two different encyclopedias, all about the world of Stephen King. Uh, you know, uh, an encyclopedia to places, people, and events and things inside the, the fictional world that Stephen King has created. So that just, it really does. It just kind of makes her look like a. Uh, it just makes her look very petty. I think. Yeah, it was it was a little odd when she made that statement about. Not I could no longer write. She was so distraught. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, the interesting thing about it is though. Is that because it was online for a while, even though the guy's been told that he can't publish it as a book? I mean, you and I know that this is exactly the sort of thing that, that you know that the internet community responds to by making sure that it's archived and available somewhere until the end of time. That's all she's really done. All she right. has really, by making sure that the guy can't, by going to court to stop a fan from publishing some Harry Potter thing, all she's done is to ensure that a bunch of geeks online will find it, they'll put it online, and they'll make sure that it's visible on the Internet forever. So a book that probably would have gotten very little attention will now have uh, an, un, an infinite life online because of her lawsuit. So. Yeah, I agree. You're right. One All right. All right, brother. Uh, sorry for running long today. Uh, are you on tomorrow? Yes, I am. All right. We will talk to you then. Enjoy your day, sir. Take care.
there, Sarah. Be careful there, you know, with the coffee. You don't want to withdraw right away, go, go cold turkey. It's really hard. Okay. Thanks, Thanks okay. Steve. You know, you're not getting any younger, so. Thanks, right. Well, you know, that's what the, did I tell you that? Did I tell that story on the air? Was it when I was on with Marconi? It must have been. Yeah, I, I did remember that, saying that. Uh, it might have been when you were gone, but uh, I, was, I did that segment on the Marconi show that these are the people in your neighborhood. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Dick Giuliano, I believe, here. Just a few. Yes? I think Wait. Bob. Bob. Wait. Bob, yes. Um, but, you know, I was on the Marconi show, and just kind of, you know, like a five, six-minute I mean, you've done it. The yeah. Q&A where it's just like, who is Rick Emerson? And... Um, but that, that was actually the day that I, you know, they'd come in, like, you're not going to die. And, you know, everything was sort of, you know, normal and whatever. And, uh, you know, I was in tip-top shape. But it, at the end of it, it was so great because, you know, I'm talking to the doctor. And, and it's funny because they do that thing of, like, uh, you know, well, we'll call you and give you a brief, like, you know, a brief heads up if everything's normal. And, uh, you know, and if not, uh, we'll have you. And I think that's how you know if something's like if you've got leprosy. That's how you'll know because that's what they call you. And they go, uh, what's a good time for you to come in? Why? Is something wrong? Well, I, why don't you just, uh, we'll make an appointment, we'll talk then, and we'll kind of handle it. Why? Am I, what, what's wrong with, what is wrong with me? And they just go, is Friday good for you? Maybe five? Is this, am I, is it cancer? Yeah, be honest, give it to me straight. Yeah, we'll say, we'll say Friday at five. Yeah, thanks. Um, but he didn't, he didn't do that. He just called me and was like, hey, you're good to go, everything's fine, you're flawless, you know, you're, you're in perfect condition. But then, I swear to God, he ended the call by saying, so, yeah, you're great. Uh, you know, we ran the whole, because they did the full three-inch book of tests. I mean, I think you were gone for this. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, because in radio, you one doesn't always get the best health care. So, it's not like everybody goes to the doctor all the time. So, when you get that insurance, man, you use it. You ring it for every dollar you can. And so, they didn't even ask. He's like, here's a four-inch book of tests. You're going to take all of them, and we're going to analyze everything about you. So, he calls me back. He's like, hey, everything's fine. No problems. No issues at all. You know, you're you're relatively flawless shape. But then he ends up by saying, but, you know, you're not getting any younger. So what we're going to do is go ahead and schedule a follow-up right now for uh, 18 months, and uh, we'll see you then. Okay. <laughs> I mean, who ends the call with that? You're not getting any younger. I know that. Why would you end the call by reminding somebody, hey, you're not getting any younger, death boy? <sighs> yeah, I wouldn't even know how to respond to that. I got nothing. Uh, let's talk to Bob Costantini, then we'll take a break. Uh, then we will come back with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. We're still going to talk to Richie about his Trip Club DJ audition. Uh, we'll tell my, it's less interesting now, but we'll tell my insect killing story from last night. Uh, later on, Nina Parker from Team Z. It's uh, so little to do, so much time. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a man ye know well. CNN Radio correspondent, Bob Costantini. Hello, Rick. Um, I'm getting younger every day. Yes, you are, Bob. You're young. At, you're young at heart, Bob. That's what I, I try to be. Yes. Uh, how's life, Bob? How are things? Very good. All right. Very good. Can't hey, complain. L- let me ask you this: uh, A, do you watch Mad Men? I uh, no. You're dead to me. Uh, <laughs> all right. B, here's your not chan- young enough apparently. Yes. Here's your chance at redemption. Uh, do you watch uh, The Shield? I uh, no. Well, whatever. No. All right. That's fine. Never mind. I try not to watch a lot of television. What? I try not to watch a lot of television. You're a bad American. <laughs> what do you mean you try to watch? You try not to watch a lot of television. What is try wrong not with to you? Uh, my wife sometimes makes me sit through some of those uh, shows on, uh, uh, you know, Bravo and that kind of stuff, uh, Project Runway and that that kind of thing. Well, that's just. I'm, I don't want to even admit that, but uh, well, no, that's fine. I have to sit through this. No, that's fine. You know, I got the we we got our cable really really cut back last year because I just didn't have enough time. I was busy yeah. and I was busy watching a lot of stuff on DVD, mm-hmm. and so I was like, you know what, we'll cut it back. And then I just got the cable turned back up to its previous levels because 
Madman the Shield, Battlestar Galactica, whatever. Uh, and my wife, though, I mean, I hate to sound like I'm another guy complaining about his wife, but I mean, it, so I got the cable turned back out. My wife comes to me last night. It's just not good enough, though. She's like, you know what? I don't think we're getting Bravo. you got to call and get that taken care of right now. Yeah. She's like, what's your project runway? And I'm like, oh, fine, That's, okay, Jesus. They have so, to have that Bravo. I know. So They have to have it. Well, you know, Bob, there is good television. And I know it's all relative, but I'm saying from your vantage point, there is good TV you could be watching. What are you, let me ask you this. What, uh, what are you, offhand, what are your, some of your all-time favorite TV shows, Bob Costantini? Well, I've always uh, liked comedies. Or like sitcoms? Really? Sitcoms, yes. All right, you could be watching 30 Rock. I've watched 30 Rock religiously. All right, so you do watch 30 that's Rock. My, that's my thing, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see, in terms of comedy. I'm trying to think in <laughs> I terms of... pick up lines from that every once in a while. In terms of comedy, what else, is, what else is even on right now in terms of comedy that you would watch? Well, I, I watch Two and a Half Men and uh, New Adventures of Old Christine. Um, I watched that last that, night, Bob. Not much. Beyond that, I don't really watch it that much. All right. So I watched Sarah, a lot of news, of course. Wait, Sarah, what did you watch last night? The New Adventures of Old Christine. I've yeah. never seen it before. It was actually quite hilarious. It is. It is a funny show, mm -hmm. and um, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus does a nice job. Uh, you know, Bob, you've with got all the angst and that kind of thing that she feels. You have your finger on the pulse of American youth, Bob Costantini. I try to. All right. <laughs> Um, I don't think so. Hey, I, I don't. Let me ask you a couple questions about this, yeah. and I and I only because, as I said, I said this earlier in the show that I, there's some stuff about which I don't really care if I'm correct or not, but there's stuff that I do like to actually understand. So, so George Bushman has been. He's either going to announce or has announced this plan to draw down or withdraw uh, eight thousand troops yeah. from Iraq. He has announced it. Uh, so I got a couple questions. One, is this. I said earlier, is this the interest or the principle? By which I mean, is this 8,000 off that surge, or is this 8,000 off the initial number we sent? Um, this is supposedly uh, 8,000 off the original uh, number that we've sent. This is the, the pre-surge level, so, um, from what we understand. And so, and I, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly the health goal, the head counts, and uh, they're, you know, the surge has continued. They, they've continued the surge drawdown for a little bit. Um, and the, the only reason I ask is because, and I don't know how much of this is true and how much of it's spin, but you always hear this this business about you know guys who are there, you know their tour is up and they get sent back two three times, you know, and and you all and so it, I'm just curious because it, it seems like those guys that have been over there and have had their tours extended, you know, they ought to be the ones the first ones on the plane. Um, yes, and uh, they have also um, decided that they are going to uh, reduce the number of tour, the length of the tours. From uh, up to 15 months to 12 months. Right. Now, it's worth also noting that um, in this number the president cited this morning in his speech, 8,000 American troops leaving Iraq uh, not to be replaced in uh, or around February. Uh, there's some 4,500 uh, troops, additional troops, uh, not necessarily the same, but some 4,500 are going to be sent to Afghanistan uh, to try to shore the situation up there yeah. uh, and make that better. Um, but, um, again, this is, you know, people are coming and going, and and, and uh, a lot of – it's easy to play with the numbers, and it's easy to get the numbers wrong, so I want to be careful. But All right. Well, because, I, because it is such a big ball of yarn that's all yeah. knotted up, and, you just again, you just you don't know, you don't know what's happening and where – and to some degree, uh, because of media coverage or lack of coverage, I, I think people actually even lose sight of the fact that we're still – that we have been in Afghanistan this whole time. Yeah. Uh, and by some estimates, Afghanistan, in fact, I think by a lot of estimates, Afghanistan is much more dangerous at this point than Iraq is. Um, yes. As a matter of fact, um, uh, in July or August, I forget which, uh, more U.S. forces were killed in Afghanistan than were killed in Iraq. Um, and uh, 
you know, obviously any kind of death is, right. is certainly a tragedy, um, but it does show what um, what some people here in Washington have been saying, that we've taken the eye off the ball in Afghanistan. And even the military leaders uh, involved in this have been asking for more U.S. forces in Afghanistan. And it's also worth noting that a number of uh, over 3,000 support people will be able to come home uh, because of the fact that we are withdrawing more forces out of Iraq. The, uh, the 8,000 is actually about com- is the combat forces number. All right, Bob, are you on tomorrow? Uh, no, Lisa, we'll be back tomorrow. All right, then I bid you adieu until we speak again, we my friend. We will speak again soon, right. I'm sure, and thank you for everything, as always. Enjoy the rest of your day, Wonderful sir. talking to you. There you go. See you in the radio. Bob Noodles Costantini. I love him. Tries not to watch a lot of TV. All right. Two and a half men, that's genius. Do you ever watch that show? Is that John Cryer? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen Charlie that a handful Sheen. of times. Yeah, I've seen it two and a half times. Uh, is it good? I mean, it's a sitcom. It can't. I mean, it can't be that good. When there's nothing else on, it's okay. Right. Sometimes, sometimes it's funny. Uh, Family Guy really right now is the is the mortar between my bricks. If there's nothing else on, and if I got like 30 minutes to kill, it's Family Guy. That's mm. what I go to because I'm still playing playing catch up with all of that. Mine's so. My Boys. I finished watching the first season, and then I've just started restarted watching My Boys again. Yeah, really I gotta good. I gotta get caught up on 30 Rock still. I still got like a season and a half of that show to watch. So, and it's because here's the thing. Not that it's just but the one observation I'll make about 30 Rock is that you know, we got the whole. You know, with the Netflix and the whatever, and we got the, you know, I mean, I, I could be watching the whole thing right now, but Lara sort of likes it, but not nearly as much as I do. She, you know, I really think 30 Rock is a great comedy. And she's sort of like, well, you know, it's good. And she, you know, I think it's like a solid. 30 Rock is genius. I, you know, she likes it. She just doesn't like it nearly as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I keep asking her. But the thing is, she's got so little free time, like even less free time than I do sometimes. And I keep asking her, I'm like, so, you know, can I just go ahead and be watching this myself? And she's like, no, 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 wait, I want to watch it with you. And yet she doesn't have a lot of free time and she doesn't like it as much as I do. So it's like I, I got to kind of watch it whenever she's in the mood to watch it. And I'm sitting, you know, I'm looking at like three DVDs worth. I'm like, come on, I could be watching it all. And I'm thinking about secretly just watching it all without her and then pretending that I haven't. No, this is first that, time for me. That's good enough. Uh, that has high rewatch value. Yeah. So, so you, you, could, you should totally watch I it. I think I'm going to go ahead and watch the whole thing without her and then I'll just watch it again with her. So we're doing that with The Wire anyway. So, all right, take a break. Back after this, uh, Tim Riley with the new news hour. Uh, coming up uh, later on, Cena Radio correspondent James Roop. Top five songs about a Jane. We'll find out how Richie's uh, stint as a strip club DJ went last night. And we'll give away another pair of tickets to see Dennis Miller at Spirit Mountain Casino. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Here's Rob Halford. Don't go anywhere. Well, that was refreshing. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. In mere moments... Uh, Tim Riley will join us from the Ministry of Truth. Geek Watch coming up today. Corpse Watch coming up today. Uh, some other watch? Uh, Snuff Watch. Snuff Watch, really? Yeah. Somebody I know? Uh, no, you probably don't follow uh, the UFC Championship. Oh, I read about that. The Ultimate Fighting Guy, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see, what else we got coming up? Uh, top five Jane songs coming up later on. We'll find out how Richie Bristol's attempt at being a strip club DJ went. Uh, we will play SNL Trivia for a pair of tickets to see Dennis Miller on Saturday. Don't forget, tomorrow uh, we'll be giving away the grand prize, a pair of tickets to Dennis Miller's show at Spirit Mount Casino, as well as overnight stay. Uh, for that, you must be uh, preparing and then performing tomorrow a 60-second original rant on any subject uh, of your choice. Let's do this uh, one call, then we'll uh, go to the Ministry of Truth. Hello, hi.
Are you, in fact, there, sir? Okay, thanks for the call. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Ryan. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. It was a big fire, three alarms, major damage to a southeast Portland warehouse, not far from the East Bank of the Willamette last night in rush hour. This is the Empire Rubber and Supply Company. It's near the intersection of Southeast Water Avenue and Southeast 7. It all broke out around 5.30, and if you were listening to the Lanka Show, you heard live coverage over and over and over again. You know, Tim, everybody else was doing uh, network programming and giving news of a national bent while we were giving news of a local bent. I noticed that. Yeah. I even turned on the television in the process. Nobody was covering it locally. Nobody. No. Tim Riley in the mobile AM 970 News Center, though, was uh, giving news as only he could. That's why most of the local media here is, well, passe, shall we say. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, firefighters went inside the building when part of the roof collapsed. Luckily, nobody was injured. It appeared that everyone from the business also made it out uh, safely. The blaze caused a huge plume of black smoke to billow out of the building. This is just a few blocks from the OMSI. Uh, no immediate word on what caused the fire. They're on the scene this morning. They said they have solid leads on the case, but they don't think arson is involved. The business owners and several employees also gathered at the scene to uh, assess the damage. This is an old uh, family-owned company. They've been in business since the early 1950s. They're a rubber distributor. They specialize in conveyor belts, conveyor components, and on-site conveyor belt installation. Now, is this by that Dairy Gold factory? I'm yeah. not sure. It's right down next to, like, Lippmann's. Oh, okay. Oh, so I know like, where that I, is. I, thought, I thought, actually thought it was Lippmann's okay. when I was driving over the bridge. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, it was, yeah, it was just, it was insane. Uh, I stood here on the sidewalk, and uh, Washington Court and Fat Boy, of course, because they're dudes, it's like, hey, there's a fire, and they immediately were, like, uh, trying to kick open that door in the hallway to climb up onto the roof to watch it. Mm-hmm. They were like, we're going to go sit on the roof and watch the fire, and then they couldn't get up there. But, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a bad scene. Well, I'm and, glad and, everybody made it out. You know, that. and they said it was hazardous breathing and everything. And uh, I was watching the coin news and the uh, the news anchor woman. They said, it's a beautiful night, isn't it? Well, except for the smoke and all the fire. <laughs> I guess you were just reading off a prompt. On the case, as always. I will know what county grand jury has indicted a Portland woman accused of charging more than $40,000 on her mother's credit card. Mom is an elderly woman. Elizabeth uh, Peterson pled not guilty in her arraignment to forgery, theft, mail theft, identity theft, criminal mistreatment. She remains in jail. You know, the kids are just uh, kids are just time bombs waiting to explode and ruin your life. So her mom was uh, a 77-year-old woman. According to court papers, the daughter-in-law found multiple credit card statements in the mail addressed to the mother and learned that nine credit card accounts had been opened without her knowledge. Uh, the mother told police and collections agency came after her earlier this year, and she gave them $4,000 from her checking account. Wait, so the mom started to pay off yeah. the debt even though it wasn't hers because right. the no-good-nick kid mm-hmm. uh, ran up the... You know what kids are? First of all, let me just stop for a second. There's you... no child. This kid is 59. Are you eating really? another one of those uh, protein bars from yesterday that you were complaining about? No, this is a different brand. I like this one. All right, it's okay. a very small one. I just turned down the heat, by the yeah, way. it's really hot in here. Well, somebody said it at 78. So It's got to be stopped. I don't know who did that. Uh, you know what kids are? What? Kids are like those little... Uh, those little uh, gel capsules you buy at the store, and they throw them in your bath, and it's like, what's this? It's a Tyrannosaurus. You know, what's this? It's a unicorn. You know what I mean? Those little, like, sponge bath animals that come in little capsules. That's what kids got. You know, what's this kid, doctor? What's this kid? Meth addict. What's this kid? Uh, you know, cures polio. What about this one? Racks up 40 grand in consumer debt. When you have a kid, 
It's like planting, if I could just take the analogy even further. It, when you have a kid, it really is just like buying yourself a big, a big expensive box of Cracker Jacks. You know, and sometimes the prize is really good. Sometimes the prize is a big fistful of crap. Uh, and so when, you have a, when you have a kid that decides to go out and forge a bunch of uh, stuff in your account and get you like 50 grand in the hole, that's when you've chosen the wrong box of Cracker Jacks. There's no sending it back, is there? No. A father of a four-year-old cottage grove boy said his child loaded a bullet into a borrowed gun and accidentally shot himself. Uh, apparently, the boy's doing remarkably well. They removed the bullet, which slightly penetrated his skull. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they did it to Dornbeckers. I guess he can do miracles there, apparently. The doctors believe there will be no permanent effect from the wound, even though it was serious. The gun was unloaded, but the boy found a smaller bullet that was the wrong size. But it still fired when loaded into the gun. Wait, let's back up for a second. I don't know if the story says this. I want to make sure that we're not uh, passing along false information or passively uh, making any sort of uh, observation or accusation. So the kid's going to be fine. The bullet wasn't the bullet that goes with the gun, although no, it, it was... It fired anyway. It was a close enough fit, because I guess if the hammer hits the thing. Yeah. But lost in all of this is the fact that a four-year-old somehow had access to both a gun and bullets. Mm-hmm. Have they explained why that was? He said it was a borrowed gun, so I'm not sure if the child... The child borrowed it. it from a schoolmate? Or it doesn't say who he borrowed it from. So the kid somehow found a gun. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing that makes it suspicious to me. I'm just going to make this just my observation. I'm not saying that, like, it's... You know, uh, obviously, could, kids shouldn't be able to find bullets or a gun. But the idea that the kid was able to somehow, somewhere, find a gun, and then somewhere was able to find bullets that went to a different gun, indicates to me maybe there's more than one gun floating over that vicinity, and thus more than one type of bullet. Apparently, none of them taken care of too well. That no. would just be my observation as a pundit, constitutionally protected. All right. Well, whatever. I guess the, the truth will come out. Well, he'll learn. Two Sarah Palin action dolls portraying the uh, Republican vice presidential nominee as an executive and an action hero have gone on sale. The dolls are an attempt to cash in. Uh, she joins an illustrious list of politicians, including Barack Obama and Hillary, to be immortalized in plastic toys. The executive doll is $27.95. The action doll costs $2 more. Palin mania has gripped Republicans since the electrifying... Has it really? That's what it says, yeah. Mm-hmm. They've, uh, last night, Anderson Cooper was calling it palintology. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than 6,000 supporters turned out to greet Mrs. Palin and Mr. McCain with chants of, Sarah, Sarah. It was so creepy. I was watching it last night, and, I, I mean, we should be fair about this. Let me just say by way of a preface or a preamble or one of those pre-words, this is the same treatment that Barack Obama was getting and, and has been getting and probably will continue to get to some degree because that was the thing. Remember when the Republicans were running that ad? Like, he's he's a celebrity. Look, Paris Hilton, Britney Spears, Barack Obama. Uh, you know, and so the Republicans get their turn. Yeah. I mean, Barack. I'm not saying Barack Obama is not a, a, a smart guy. Maybe big plans for America. Maybe maybe a solid record. Maybe he's got big things he's going to do. Maybe not. Doesn't really matter because I would say 80% of the people who are big Barack Obama fans know absolutely bupkis about him. They just sort of like, as Dennis Miller would say, they like the cut of his jib. Um, but it's the same thing with Sarah Palin, where you know you just people sort of turning out because of celebrity factor. So I was watching, um, I was watching CNN last night, and. I one hates to stereotype. I'm just saying this is just based upon the people they were showing last night. Now, perhaps Sarah Palin appeals across the spectrum to any number of people. Maybe Sarah Palin appeals to all different sections and slices of the American culture and to all of our various social strata here. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, based on the TV coverage that I've seen the last few days, 
it's all just chunky white women from the suburbs. I mean, it's just that's nothing. That's all it is, man. It's all the just sort of like too much makeup uh, and and too much of them in uh, too tight of clothes. Probably uh, like, uh, and it was either like going to see Sarah Palin or going out for Cosmos with their girlfriends, or more than likely going to see Sarah Palin then going out for Cosmos with their girlfriends. So it uh, just, uh, you know, she's another one of those people that's going to be very easy to dislike because of the people who like her. Uh, what else was I going to say? Sarah Palin. Oh, so this is a doll? Yes. So what is the deal? Does the doll talk? It doesn't say if it talks or not. Well, that what's the point of a Sarah Palin doll that doesn't talk? Let me see. If I'm going to spend money on a Sarah Palin doll, and I might, uh, it's got to be able to say something. It doesn't say anything, apparently. Well, that's stupid. I'm going to wait for a Sarah Palin doll that talks. Maybe. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. There you go. Something like that. Or, you know, one of her various statements about moose. All right. If there was a Sarah Palin doll, what would it say? Tim? I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. That doesn't count. I just... Sarah? <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Can you give a creative one? They should make... Oh, my God. They should make a Sarah Palin doll that speaks in tongues. Because, you know, she belongs... She belongs... She belongs to a church that believes that Jesus or, you know, whoever, it prompts you to speak in gibber tongues. Uh, so... If, right now, somebody needs to... I don't even care. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. Uh, somebody needs to get on that. You create a Sarah Palin doll. <gasps> I got an even better idea. Come on. How great am I? Here's the idea. The Sarah Palin doll needs to say things like... Um, you like... Here's the great... Okay. I, I feel like I need to call somebody about this. I need to call some sort of Democratic operative. I mean, we know that, I mean, we, you know, when Obama was up, we were giving the Republicans tips. Now, the Palin and McCain look to be ascendant. I'm going to start giving the Democrats tips. Excellent. Who can I call about this? Because there needs to be a Sarah Palin doll or... Really, this is so legitimately great. I'm having the very... I'm having to rein myself in here. Because the doll is probably a bit of a stretch. You know what the Democrats need to do, Tim? What's that? They need... And you could do this in like a day. You get some Joni DeRoshi type on this. They need to create some like flash, you know, like an like a like a shockwave site or something, where it's like a virtual Sarah Palin doll. And you go to the website, it's like sarahpalindoll.com. You go there and it's a site, and there's a little string. You press, you click it with your mouse. The string gets pulled. The first time you pull the string, it's that quote of hers about how she wants to get funding for the bridge to nowhere. The second time you pull the string, it's that quote of hers about saying she's always been against the bridge to nowhere. I'm a genius. That is a fantastic idea. I'd that, like a bridge to nowhere. No, you pull the string again, and it's like, you know, the Iraq war is God's will. Pull the string again. The oil pipeline is God's will. Pull the string again. <laughs> Jesus. That's a great idea. Somebody's got to do that. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to say that until somebody... That, that's too good a... Dem, that's too good a, a political sort of kneecapping for somebody in the Democratic side not to... Nobody ever takes these suggestions. I gave the Republicans... Because you're a soapboxer. Nah, I'm just... It's one of my... It's, Tim, it's my talent. I mean, I gave the Republicans just a raft of, uh, of suggestions, and they never used any of them. This is something now the Democrats have to do. That is the best idea I'm going to come up with all month. It's gold. And then you pull the string again, and it cuts funding for teen mothers. All right, here's Tim Riley. This Genius is brought to you by Leafs Auto Collision Center. Find us in collision repair. Go to Leafs.com. Find out what Leafs can do for you. Seriously, somebody out there needs to do that. You have to do that. It must be done. I just uh, If some listener does that... If some listener out there creates that, all I want, little. If, if, sometimes I say that I don't want any credit. If some listener creates that, just a little, little bit of props. A little, Emerson wet his beak, just a little bit. Just a little, little link, a little, uh, little note, something like that. Here's Tim Riley. Here's something for all you kids to hate. 
taking aim at the long-standing rite of passage for 16-year-olds. An influential auto safety group is calling for the states to raise the age of getting a driver's license to 17, maybe even 18. Adrian Lund, the president of the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, a research group founded by the Auto Insurance Agency, acknowledged the idea is a tough sell, but noted that car crashes are the leading cause of death among teenagers. Some people have problems like that, including the man who runs a driving school in Redmond. One is quality training. Two is parental involvement and parental coaching. Uh, three is practice. And then the last thing is the graduated license. Well, okay, for, well, that's stupid. First of all, I think that's a misleading statistic. When they, say that, when they say that car accidents are the leading cause of death of young people, mm-hmm. that's a misleading statistic because it makes you seem like what it sounds like if you don't really pay attention to it, is that young people are involved in more accidents. And I don't think that's true. The reason car accidents are the leading cause of death for young people is because you know what doesn't kill young people? What's that? Stroke, heart attack, heart disease, cancer, old age, Alzheimer's. The only reason the car accidents are the leading cause of death for young people is because all the stuff that kills old people, you know, that kills most people, doesn't start happening to you until you're like 60. So, of course, car accidents are the leading cause of death for young people. They're healthy in every other way. That's a completely misleading statistic. Uh, that is just another way that old people can screw young people. Uh, and as I've always noted, it's like year-round schooling. As soon as people get to be adults, uh, they're all in favor of shafting the youth. So Rick Emerson stands opposed to that. Here's Tim Riley. So I don't know whether to call this a Darwin watch or a snuff watch. Let's call it a, uh, a Snarwin watch, I guess. Okay. Ultimate fighting champion, middleweight championship, even Tanner, has been found dead in the desert. He was 37 years old. He trekked into the desert to cleanse himself. On his blog, he wrote, this isn't a version of Into the Wild. I'm going into the desert with a pair of shorts and a bowie knife and live off the land. Unfortunately, there's nothing in the desert to live off. (laughs) He's going to cleanse himself of life. He's going to cleanse himself with sand. <laughs> Is he going to cut up sand with the bullet? Jesus. Uh, I'm going fully geared up. I'm planning to have some fun. Well, anyway, he wanted to cleanse himself. He's going to have some fun. In the desert. In, what desert is this? This is the uh, Death Valley. The... He's in Death Valley. <laughs> That's so great. Pretty much. That's wonderful. That is, uh, yeah, we'll end this with a Darwin watch. By so the way. he went into the desert to uh, cleanse himself, as he called it. Kind of like Survivor Man. Uh, these shorts, uh, short trips are not new to Tanner. It is something he has done numerous times. What we are told is that he believes that his motorcycle probably ran out of gas. So he should have checked the gas gauge. So he walks in <laughs> in 118-degree heat. He's miles from his camp. That's where the helicopter found his lifeless body. They think he may have succumbed to the heat. <laughs> no, could that be true? <laughs> he may have succumbed to the heat. <laughs> So he set out treasure hunting in the desert. What treasures are buried? Some, you think you're going to come across some pirate who buried some treasure on them? So his friends called the sheriff's office. And, uh, well, they looked throughout the weekend. Temperatures of 114 degrees. The best part is how he put a note on his blog about it. This is not an end of the wild thing. This I'm going to be fine. Walk- the desert with a pair of shorts and a bowie knife. Walking into That's Death plenty. Valley. That's plenty. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Tanner wrote on his blog on Spike TV's website proclaiming his desire to start an adventure in the desert 
east of his new home in California. He's an avid outdoorsman, a wandering spirit. No, he's an avid undergroundsman, Tim. Well, apparently his spirit has wandered from his dead body. He wanted to escape civilization <laughs> for just a while. <laughs> or forever. <laughs> forever. I'm not just going out in the desert. I'm going out into the desert to hunt for lost treasure. Now, we're on Earth. Did he read that there is treasure buried in the desert? Maybe it's And by whom? Maybe it's treasure in heaven, Tim. That could be. Okay. Well, uh, I know I can. what I can do where I'm going. I want to make sure I have the best equipment. So he goes with a pair of shorts and a bow knife. <laughs> and a tiny brain. And a tiny brain. Ah. Uh... I do plan on going back pretty far. So I do mention that in one of my posts, I want to make sure I have good quality gear. Yeah. Any failure in gear out in the desert could cause a problem. Do you think? Including run out of, running out of gas on your motorcycle. <laughs> and then you just have to go for a walk. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to walk uh, blindly in the sun for no reason. Don't you worry about me. Well, there you go. So th- there are a couple of conflicting reports about this. One, people in Gresham claim he has something to do with Gresham. But here it says he's from Texas. Is there a difference between these two? I was just going to say, really, wouldn't either uh, be fitting at this point? I mean, if you found out he was from either of those locales, would it be surprising? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. We'll close that out as a Darwin watch. Fare thee well. I mean, seriously. Oh, by the way, here's something else that Sarah Palin doll can uh, say. Somebody just sent me this article from MSNBC. Apparently, uh, Sarah Palin's church this month, all month long, is Pray the Gay Away Month. Is it serious? It is. Uh, they're going to be having a conference where you can uh, you can pray that gay right out of your life. So uh, there you go, just uh, wash it away as though you were uh, as though you were recoloring gray hair. Apparently, so uh, yeah, all can get working on that Sarah Palin though. You just let me know when it's done. Here's Tim Riley. Okay, I'm going to peruse your stack of outstanding stories. There's a whole bunch of really me. interesting stuff. I handed okay. very rarely. No, I believe it. Now, here's the thing. Let me just say, because there's a lot of news to get to every day. There is. Not a lot of time. No. A lot of watchers and so forth, other things. Very rarely do I just say, hey, here's some great stories, Tim, because I obviously you know far more about the news and the news gathering than I do. And also just because I know you've got so much stuff you're juggling every single day in that newsroom. Well, I try. I try not to contribute to the chaos by going, like, here's more stuff. Talk about it. But these stories are all really interesting. At least I thought that this morning. Let's see if I think it now. Okay, so let's get to these before some warehouse burns down and I have to stop what I'm doing again. Two ten-year-old boys wanted to get high, trip, and see colors. So they took a bottle of Mucinex from two 16-year-olds and downed enough pills to require a trip to the emergency room. Okay, let's stop one thing at a time. First of all, they wanted to what? Trip and see colors? They wanted to get high, trip, and see colors. That sounds the like... Kids ki- still see, say trip. But see, that's but what I'm... Mucinex. That's what my, my first question was. It sounds like kids who've never done any kind of drug because that sounds doesn't that sound like a generic description of getting high? Yeah. I wanted to trip and see colors. That's like a whole lot of like insert drug experience here. Well, this is from Florida. Is it really? Mm-hmm. I really didn't know that. Uh, so, um, uh, but uh, yeah. So, and what is Mucinex, Tim? It is an over-the-counter expectorant medication. Oh, it makes you hack up phlegm. Mm-hmm. If you're clogged up, that's what you. Well, that that wouldn't get you high, would it? I guess not. I guess that's the best they could do. The two victims, elementary school students, are being held under observation in the hospital, recovering from overdosing on the over-the-counter expectorant medication. I think that's like dextromethorphan. I think that's what that is. Uh, that's like a, and it's like a completely ineffective over-the-counter anti-cough thing. Yeah, mucinex sounds like I don't know, like something you take if you're lactose intolerant or something. No, it's if you got uh, crap in your, like if you're, 
It's to clear out your whatever. Like if you're coughing or if you're congested, it's to clear. It's it's to like clear phlegm out basically. Okay. Um, so the two 16 year olds who sold him this stuff were charged with child abuse. Really? And contributing to delinquency of minors. I have been sent to juvie. Well, I was to understand that dextromethorphan is basically just useless. It is the, the, the placebo at this point. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that. Also, it seems to me, I mean, can you get high on anything over the counter at this point? Haven't they? Kids will find a reason to. But, I mean, they'll try, they'll find something to try, but it doesn't seem like they find anything that works. No. I mean, when I was a kid uh, in high school, it, and I don't know if you can still get high in Robitussin. I think we talked about this at one point, but I can't remember what the conclusion was. But when I was a kid, everybody would just, uh, they would go robo at lunch is what they might. I knew this. I went to school with the hottest girl, this hot girl named, uh, this gothic girl named Kelly. And uh, she was just, just really stunning. And she was kind of made hotter by the fact that she was just like a junkie. And I found that really sexy for some reason. Like she was a hot, sexy goth junkie. And But you get in her car, and just the backseat of her car was filled with dozens and dozens of empty Robitussin bottles. Which, for some reason, and then she did this thing. And I realize now, in retrospect, even thinking about it, I realize why it was so sexy to me that she abused Robitussin so badly. It's because, and this will all make sense to the guys out there, it's it's because of the incredibly phallic way that she did it. And the deal is she would open her she would take the top off the Robitussin, she would open her mouth, she would take the robo bottle and she would shove it all the way into her mouth, like halfway in, and then just tilt her head back and just dump it right down her throat. And I realize now I know exactly why I found that so sexy. Didn't really come together at the time for me. It was all you a very that mystery. Well it was like I think a subconscious thing, but now I realize. So but I, I think now they've removed all of the fun from over-the-counter drugs. I don't think you can get high in anything that you can just buy at the store now. Now what can you do? So apparently the uh, the victims met the two dealers underneath the a, dealers. a stairway at the Chase Apartments. One of the suspects said the pills uh, came from his medicine cabinet. He and his friend met the victims in one of the apartment complex hallway and gave him the medication. Uh, by the time officers arrived, the medicine bottle was empty. The 10-year-old boys were vomiting, disoriented, and very upset. <laughs> Well, of course. Well, Usinex is typically used to relieve chest congestion by breaking yeah. mucus in the yeah. lungs. Uh, all right. Another story. Why is it so hard to swat a fly? I find this story all interesting. Right. Okay. That's right. What are you on? Do you not find that story, the whole concept, interesting? I do. Why can't you swat a fly? No, I do. Well, a fly is a past insect. It, and it's, you know, and it, here's the... Here's the why can you not swat a fly? I know the answer, you damn woman, uh, and soon the whole audience will. Uh, and also, I know the mechanism. I know how to swat a fly correctly. I saw a whole discovery program on this because I'm lame. Also, here's why it's so frustrating. Can't swat a fly. Thing. Br- I swatted a fly. But I mean, it's difficult though. Like with your, you know, like in other words, like with your hands. Like with a fly swatter. Okay. Yeah, but like with your hands. Like if it's on the counter, trying to swat it or something. And it's like being outwitted by a thing brain so small you couldn't even see it under a microscope. Brain the size of a pinpoint, and that outwits me. That's why it's so frustrating. Tim, why is it so hard to swat a fly? Well. You see, these movements are made very rapidly, within 200 milliseconds. But within that time, the animal, this is an insect, not an animal. Who called a fly an animal? Determines where the threat is coming from, activates an appropriate set of movements to position its legs and wings. This from the uh, the fly department of the California Institute of Technology. This illustrates how rapidly the fly's brain can process sensory information into an appropriate motor response. See, that's kind of messed up, but it's such a tiny, minuscule little thing, and yet in that amount, it can outsmart you in like a billionth of a second. It's very frustrating to me as a human. So can a fly's brain be transplanted into a human's brain? Well, only in Vincent Price movies. Um, so here's how you swat a fly, though. And this is kind of gross because it involves getting fly in your hand. Uh, but here's how you do it. And it's really, and I'm gonna, this is, actually works. That's a whole thing about this. If you want to if you want to swat a fly or you know kill a fly that's on the counter or on any surface, 
Here's how you do it. And it's deeply satisfying because it uses the fly's own technology against it. Because when flies take off, the very first thing they do is they jump straight up about two inches and then they fly away. Typically happens so fast you can't even see it. But they jump no matter what they're doing. They jump, you know. Now, is that a learned behavior taught by the mother fly? Perhaps, Tim. Uh, perhaps we can pray it away. Uh, but no, but they, but they, whatever it is, you know, wherever they're sitting, they jump basically two inches straight up and then they fly off. So the deal is, let's say there's a fly in this countertop. You know what you do? And this works. I've done it a billion times. You put your hands about three inches above the fly apart, and then you just clap your hands. The fly senses the movement and jumps straight up between your hands and gets killed. It's like so deeply satisfying. Wait, so it's sitting there and you clap just that one time and it flies up? Because, because in the time between it senses the movement... And when your hands hit, the fly's like, uh-oh, something's happening. I better get out of here. But the way they do it is by jumping straight up before flying off. So they jump up between your hands and get killed. And so it's really great to, like, turn the fly's own sort of defenses against it. I have a small amount of joy in my life. <laughs> Hi, Tim. Do you want to do one more? From flies to autonomous Can you helicopters. Can like, another one out of that pile, Tim? <laughs> oh, I, got, I think pile. I got three more. What about go. sand? <laughs> Uh, Stanford computer scientists have developed an artificial intelligence system that enables robotic helicopters to teach themselves to fly difficult stunts by watching other helicopters perform the same maneuver. Okay, that's terrifying. The result is an autonomous helicopter that can perform a complete air show of complex tricks of its own. So the helicopters will not only learn, but they'll learn by watching each other. Mm-hmm. I think we all know this will end badly for humans. pressure. <laughs> There's the one helicopter that's going to fly recklessly, and then all the others will follow along. So Stanford's artificial intelligence system learned how to fly by watching the four-foot-long helicopters flown by expert radio control pilot Garrett Uku. Is anyone else terrified by this notion? No. That we're creating, no. we're creating military aircraft that can teach each other how to fly? Do we not that see how... like the beginning of the end. That's what I'm saying. That's a, that's a Skynet thing is what that is. So it's very interesting, isn't it? We're all going to die. I can tell by your tone of voice, Tim, that when you say it's very interesting, you are, in fact, being sarcastic. Do you want to do one more to No, make... I have two more. Oh, let's I'm, do two I'm more. Gonna, I'm going to complete your stack. Thank you, Tim. Oh, wait a minute. No, I have three here. Okay, well, let's do them, and then we'll break, and then we'll never have to do any of my stupid stories ever again. Now, hear this. Don't remove earwax. Is this another one of your stories? You went to the doctor to have earwax taken out. I pulled this story for you. This, I thought this had relevance. You went to the doctor just because of ear, earwax. Earwax? is not evil stuff, and consequently does not have to be removed merely because it's pregnant, says Peter Roland. Because it's pregnant? Present. Oh. Says uh, Peter Roland, an ear, nose, and throat doctor at the University of Texas of Dallas. In fact, it serves a function, and so if you don't need to take it out, leave it alone. So, All right. uh, they've been studying years. I'll grant you this story is maybe not as interesting as I thought it was going to be. 12 million, uh, 12 million people a year in the U.S. seek medical care for impacted or excessive earwax. It can cause pain, pressure, itching, foul odor, ring of the ears, ear discharge, and extreme cases, hearing loss. I don't wish to have ear discharge or a foul odor coming out of my ear holes. Just remember, it's good for you, goo. All right. Alan Sorkin is writing a movie about the online social network, Facebook. Aaron Sorkin? Yes, Aaron Sorkin. Mr. Sorkin, a playwright and screenwriter and the creator of the television series The West Wing, has also set up a page for himself on the site. The film will focus on the evolution of the Facebook, which was created in Harvard in 2004. See, I thought this was a fake story. I completely called BS on this. I thought this was like that chair going to play Catwoman thing that was just fake. And I was talking to Court and Fatboy, and apparently it's true. So it just sounds bizarre. So Aaron Sorkin's going to be running a whole movie about the creation of Facebook.com. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is Facebook that much more popular than MySpace? It has now exceeded MySpace in terms of growth uh, and by some accounts in terms of number of users. I don't use it. I don't understand. Like, I don't it's, know. It is so confusing to me. But I guess the theory, and this is just what I've heard, I guess the story about it is is that the technology to create Facebook, because he did that thing, the Farnsworth invention, which is about how Philo Farnsworth created television and then David Sarnoff stole it from him. Mm-hmm. And I guess... What I've heard is that the technology behind Facebook was created by one guy and then stolen by someone else. And that's the thing that Sorkin finds interesting. And so Sorkin, who at one point uh, really hated the Internet and actually wrote a whole episode of The West Wing about how the Internet makes people dumb and stupid and you know mean and whatever. So I guess he's going to be writing this whole movie about the creation of Facebook, which is a little crazy. But, I mean, if anybody can make that interesting, it's him. All right, do we have one more from that stack? This is the final stir in your stack. All right, then I'm done. I'll never suggest anything ever again. Cocaine is becoming the middle-class narcotic of choice. Death from middle-aged drugs, glamorized by celebrities at their highest level since records began, are taking more lives. Party drugs, ecstasy, and cocaine now claim nearly 300 lives a year, an increase of over 1,200% since the figures first came out in 1993. The statistics released by the Office of National Studies in Britain also reveal far more men than women are dying from drug abuse and... Well, they're taking drugs later in life, often into their 40s. Okay, well, here's my question. First of all, I'm not, uh, I mean, whatever, do drugs, don't do drugs, I don't care. But this story does have an interesting phrase, and it's one of those things that people always say, and then you think about it, and it sort of collapses under the weight of even the barest scrutiny. When they say drug taking, such as cocaine and ecstasy, as glamorized by celebrities, what celebrities are we talking about here? Amy Winehouse. Does Amy Winehouse, in fact, glamorize the taking of drugs? What celebrity do you know? Lindsay Lohan. Does she glamorize it though? Do you look at Lindsay Lohan and go, she is all kinds of sexy, covered in vomit like that? No, I think that I think that younger kids do though, because she has like you know, she's like a bad girl. I think that's how people. She continues look at her. to live. While you think that's using her body by defying death? She becomes uh-huh. because I think about that sometimes. They say, well, you know, uh, celebrities often uh, glamorize uh, drug abuse, and I wonder if that's really true. But I'm trying to think of a celebrity I could think of who makes drug use look really cool. And, I mean, I guess maybe when I was a teenager, I thought that, like, Keith Richards was cool because he was all strung out. So maybe there's something to be said there. Uh, I mean, drinking, yes. I mean, there's lots of guys make drinking look cool. Lots and lots of people make smoking look badass. There's no getting around that. Like Steve Dallas said, smoking, too bad it kills you because it makes you look really righteous. Uh, and kids, when people say smoking doesn't make you look cool, they're lying. Uh, it's, you shouldn't do it because it's terrible and lethal and bad and addictive and expensive and whatever. But we do we do children no good by peddling fiction to them. And really, the truth is, most guys, smoking makes you look hardcore. Uh, but that being said, I can't think of, of a drug abuse in a celebrity where I've really gone, you know, I never thought about uh, smoking crack until I saw, you know, blah, 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 Amy Winehouse doing it. I just don't think it works that way. So, all right. Well, let's take a break. Come back. More from Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, later on, uh, Jim Roop will join us from Las Vegas. Top five Jane songs. We'll talk to Richie Bristol about his audition as strip club DJ last night. And we'll give away a pair of tickets to see Dennis Miller at Spirit Mountain Casino. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere.
the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. I know you've been asking yourself, what is Tim Savage up to? Yes, what is he up to? You don't care. The, uh, I asked Sarah Wagner this this morning because uh, Tim Savage, who uh, used to work at our sister station, Rock 101, KUFO, did an entertaining, although short-lived, uh, weekend program here at the Timnasium. Uh, I only wrote this down because it was funny, sort of the way that came out of her mouth. Sarah said, Tim is in Los Angeles right now, living with a 75-year-old woman. And then she paused and she said, you know, just as friends. Uh, anyway, he's going to acting school and working at the Apple Store. So there you go. Godspeed, Tim Savage. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, two things. One, you know, just now when I was saying, like, who could possibly take drugs and make it look cool? Uh, I, w- I have to say that the answer also to that would be Aaron Sorkin. Because uh, Aaron Sorkin, who just smoked crack, I, th- I think, by the bagful up until very recently. Uh, you know, so this is... And, and, this is when you know there's something really wrong with your personality. So Aaron uh, Sorkin used to be a huge coke user, huge crackhead, like an actual full-on screaming crackhead. And then they asked him, why do you smoke crack, Aaron Sorkin? And he said, it makes me feel calm. And so if crack is making you feel calm, there's really something that's been miswired in your brain. Uh, speaking of miswired in your brain, how many cups of coffee are you at right now? This is number four. So there's the fourth measuring cup cup of coffee. Yes. Because you don't fill the mug all the way. No, because I'll, I'll drink it down to about... I don't know, like a, like a, between a, like an inch, a little less than an inch, and then I'll refill it. And you're gonna, you're gonna aim to have a little bit of water in it too. So. And six today is your aim. Yes. The doctor said four, but you're gonna be more realistic about it. Yes, I'm gonna do six. Wait, so what did I say? This is four. That's four. Okay. So you get two more of those. I mean, I get you saying in a 24-hour period. Like from 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 get up to, to I get go to bed. I drink coffee at home or anywhere else. Well, there you go. Okay. Yeah. See, that's my problem too. Is I drink it up to like eight o'clock at night. It's just oh, it's a whole bad scene. Uh, before we continue the news here. We were talking about drugs and kids, uh, Tim, and yeah. uh, the, 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 you know the, taking the goofballs and the whatever. I meant to read this because I pulled it this morning. Who here has ever heard of a drug called Snurf with an N? S N U R F. Snurf. Snurf. No. Anyone? All right. This is from Philadelphia. Uh, it says here. Uh, let's see. Four students at Council Rock High School uh, in uh, Newton, Pennsylvania, believed to be under the influence of a drug called. Snurf were taken to a local hospital Monday, authorities said. This is one of those things where you wonder if the kids are really just hopping paint thinner and then they're winding up the adults by going, no, it's called the uh, Snurf, idiot. Uh, school administrators said they, con- okay, here we go, said they confiscated a package of small pink pills called Snurf that were allegedly purchased over the Internet. We should look on the Internet now for Snurf. How is it spelled? S-N-U-R-F, like Smurf with an N. Uh, let's see, blah, blah, blah. The police were called for a 16-year-old who was under the influence of an unknown substance. Officer then called for additional ambulances when the other stu- uh, students demonstrated some indication of an altered state. Um, Maybe this is like Jenkum. <laughs> school, whatever happened to Jenkum? Those were the glory days. Mm-hmm. School officials said in a press release no other students were at risk but issued this warning. Here you go. Here's the obligatory school warning. From the information on the packaging, we understand that Snurf is an herbal supplement with mood-altering properties. We strongly recommend that anyone in possession of these pills dispose of them immediately. So there you go. Well, we're looking up a Snurf right now. We, and you know it's probably crap uh, just because, uh, you know, everything that's an herbal supplement, nothing that you can buy is an herbal supplement uh, over the counter on the Internet. It really does anything. That sort of seems to go without saying. So, all right. Well, there you go. Here's uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there's a new television program starting tonight on Fox. It's called Fringe. And this is from J.J. Abrams, who brought you the program Lost. 
This is a science fiction uh, program. It is a lot like The X-Files, only this variation pairs a trusting female FBI agent with a scientifically-minded and skeptical male sidekick. Really? There's Joshua a, Jackson. There's a hint of paranoia that's fueling another uh, hit for Mr. Abrams. Uh, Fringe also pays homage to the 1980 movie Altered States with drug-induced hallucinations. Maybe they're on Snurf. In an immersion tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plot is so packed with showy special effects and spiral plot twists that it's hard to tell whether uh, episodes can live up to the premise. So this sounds very much like the X Files, except the woman is the the woman is the Mulder and the guy is the Scully. Yes. Uh, and then there's paranoia and sexual tension and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I already look forward to the disappointing uh, big screen adaptation. You're probably wondering what are America's fastest dying cities? Most are found in Ohio including Youngstown, Canton, Dayton, and Cleveland. The runner-up is Michigan with two cities, Detroit and Flint. Another brutal statistics of all the series of these cities is the diminishing population. So far, 115,000 people have left Cleveland. <laughs> Smaller changes are just as painful. Another 30,000 have left Youngstown, and they're not being replaced by either new babies or new immigrants. Well, because who would? I want to go to Cleveland. Pack your things. So uh, apparently, yes, all these uh, industries have left. So I wonder about immigrants, too, who like, I mean, you know, if you were an immigrant and really the world was your oyster, why would you ever? It's like that. How do they get the gas to get where they're going? Who? All these illegal immigrants. You know, well, well, okay, well, first of all, or even legal immigrants, this is a good question. If you're a legal immigrant, although I guess, here's a question, Tim. Uh, do you have uh, do you have financial requirements if you're going to be a legal immigrant to this country? In other words, does the government, does the U.S. government require you to be financially solvent to come here, do you think? I'm not sure. I wonder if you have to have a certain amount of, if you have to be able to demonstrate that you can take care of yourself for a while until you get on your feet. Because, again, you come to... Probably not. They do that in Canada. I mean, I wonder if you, you know, you come to, I guess they don't come to Ellis Island anymore, but wherever it is, uh, you know, and, but then you see these immigrants who end up, you know, from wherever, some guy from uh, Pakistan ends up living in Cleveland. And you just sort of wonder yourself, like, how did you end up in Cleveland? Like, did you just spin the globe, like, coming to America style? Like, why? And as I've said in the past, I always feel bad for people who, because they're all, they all end up like Meryl Streep and Bridges of Madison County, mm-hmm. coming from some exotic place in Italy, and then, you know, they're like living in the, you know, in like, uh, you know, the, like, just like Lick Skillet, Ohio, or something. It's like, well, why, of all the cities in America, why would you move to this this town? So, does it say why people are leaving Cleveland, or is it just because, you know, like, it's Cleveland? It's Cleveland. All right. According to Wikipedia, by the way, SNRP is a human gene, which is a highly basic protein localized to the nucleus of the human gene structure. Well, this doesn't sound like it could possibly be the same thing. No. All right, I'm going to give up. Here's Tim Riley. It is time to give up. Let's talk about something else. Uh, Barack Obama told supporters, an economically hard hit Ohio. That education is the key to securing high-paying jobs in the future. That is, of course, if there are people there to hire them. Uh, He's just the importance of post-secondary education. We have to make sure that every young person can afford to go to a public college or university if they've got the will, if they've got the grace. Charter schools are good, too. I believe in public schools, but I also believe in fostering competition within the public schools. And that's why, as president, I'll double the funding for responsible charter schools. Well, whatever. But first of all, I don't believe in public schools. Second of all... They never work. No, they never work. It's just to create generation after generation of losers. But I, I think Susan was telling me this, and it was in her... Because uh, she's from Chicago, and I guess, you know, in Chicago, obviously, there's a very 
very fragmented social structure there and economic structure. Uh, you know, there's some of the poorest of the poor live in Chicago. You know, but there's also you know sort of the uh, you know the, the folks who got a little bit better or a lot better. And so she told me there was some sort of like cool civil disobedience thing that like some of the kids that on the first day of school in Chicago did, where it was some of the kids who live in. Yeah, it was some some terrible part of Chicago where they, you know one of those schools where she's falling apart and you know, roaches and rats and guns and fire and death and pain and gangs and drugs and failure, and I guess a bunch of the kids who, you know, were facing another year just at this hellhole of a school, they just got on the bus and they took a bus over to a, like a really ritzy part of Chicago and they showed up and like our school sucks we're going here and they just like showed up. They were just like, our school is terrible. We can't, you know, it, it, our, it's falling apart. We can't learn anything. We'll probably get the knife if we try to go to school there. You have to let us go to school here. And the school, to their credit, was like, all right, come on in. So, you know, if, if only everybody was so forward-thinking. Here's Tim Riley. So uh, let's talk about the British comedian Russell Brand, who was quick to mock the Jonas Brothers' choice to wear chastity rings, but other celebrities even quicker to jump to the boys' defense. Perez Hilton says that the Jonas Brothers' huge teen following uh, is a good thing, and they should continue to promote their message. They're promoting good values to, to young people out there. They're going to have their own Disney show coming up, so I think they should keep on doing exactly what it is they're doing. Do you feel like we've moved on from Perez Hilton as a culture? Yes. I feel like he's on the downward side at this I point. I would think so. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Sparks, whoever he is, uh, defends the Jonas Brothers also. All right, I just have one thing to say about promise rings. It's not bad to wear a promise ring because not everybody, guy or girl, wants to be a slut. All right. <laughs> She's really deep. Uh, she makes sense. All right. What is the... I was about to ask the people in this room about a promise ring, but I realized that's just stupid on like a hundred different levels. So Sarah spent all last night trying to create fake whiskey to fool uh, you know, her friend's husband. So, really, maybe this room is not the place to discuss purity. I was going to ask Richie, and that's even dumber. So, uh, all right. So, is a promise ring, is it just like a peer pressure ring? Is it like once you put it on, then your friends will notice if you take it off because they know you become a skank? Well, no, I think that's from mom. But, I mean, I, I guess I don't understand. And I guess I don't need to understand. I think cause... it's just a showing like, hey, I'm Look at me. a virgin. Uh, but, I mean, you think, is it maybe kind of a religious, like a sort of teen religious peer pressure in that if you put on the promise ring, then your only choices are to uh, keep it on and live a lie if you have sex. Or to, to get a show on the Disney Channel. Or to, yeah, <laughs> well, fair enough. So, you know, because then if you take it off, everybody's like, where's your promise ring? And then, you know, and, I don't know. And then they put you in the shed and they beat you with a plank or something. Uh, I don't care. Here's Tim Riley. It seems like crooks and criminals will steal anything these days. Police in Greensburg, New York, say three bronze mausoleum doors worth $9,000 were stolen from a cemetery. We feel that they probably took the doors to uh, try to cash in for the uh, the, the metal. It's uh, probably some uh, place where they would accept the, uh, the metal and pay them cash. You know, can it be very long before the snake completely eats its tail and, in fact, the metal recycling center is itself cut up and sold for scrap to another metal recycling center? That'd be great. That's the logical end game of this whole thing. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rick, uh, this email says, Flint used to be close to 300,000 people, is now below 90,000. Detroit used to be 3 million, is now below 1 million. Both are surrounded with nice, well-populated suburbs. So are these people leaving these cities and going to the suburbs, or are they leaving and saying, like, F this whole state, I am out of here? In some places they are, yes. Because, yeah. I mean, doesn't seem like there's, there are whole states in this uh, this country of ours that are just sort of beyond repair. Yes. It's, uh, you just got to wait for them to sort of half-life into nothing and hope something good grows there in the future. Uh, are these calls about immigrants? Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. What's up? Do you, um, you want some answers to your immigration questions? Sure. Why not? 
Okay. Well, to get a visa to come here from any country, you have to have a sponsor. Whether you're going to marry an American, whether you're going to have a job, you have to be sponsored by either a corporation who's giving you that job or you have to be sponsored by, you know, Joe Smith who's going to marry you when you come over here. So you, you do have to prove some type of economic viability. So you're not just going to be a big, big leech when you get over here. Right. Mm-hmm. Either you have to, you know, prove that you're going to make money when you get here by having a job or somebody is going to take care of you. That has money. All right, fair enough. So what if you? But if you're not going to get married and you have a job, do you just have to find some regular citizen who's like, yeah, I'll vouch for him? Pretty much. Somebody yeah. has to sponsor you and prove that they have the income to support you if you don't find uh, work. It's all so clear to me now. It, I, it's all come together in my head. That's why. Because you see all that stuff about the, the, the certain churches that have an exponential growth rate. Even yeah. now, when you think that, uh, you know, a lot of churches, frankly, are having trouble getting new members because everybody's sort of, you know, everybody's sort of wised up. But now you read about how a lot of churches have uh, their membership roles are burgeoning in terms of recent immigrants or people not born in America. Now it makes so much sense. The church says, hey, we'll bring you and your whole overgrown family over here uh, <laughs> and we'll, we'll vouch for you. And then, yep. of course, there's the understanding that, you, that the church brought you over and you were then indebted to the church financially, morally, however. That Pretty makes much. so much sense. It all, it's all very okay. I absolutely, I now see the whole picture. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. So we have some inside gossip here from the Dark Knight's Butler, British old town actor Michael Caine. He spills some massive Batman news to MTV at the Toronto Film Fest. He's confirmed the rumors that Johnny Depp and Philip Seymour Hoffman have been cast. And the Cape Crusaders' next film installment. So Johnny Depp is going to play the Riddler, from what I've heard. Riddler. Uh, dude, Riddler. Does it say what uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is going to be doing? The Penguin. Really? Yeah. I uh, think it could work. Uh, I don't know. I'm very... T- First of all, can I tell you, just uh, totally coincidentally, I had, a, I had a messed up Heath Ledger Joker dream last night. Wasn't about Heath Ledger as such, but I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was, the Heath, it was about the Joker, but it was the Heath Ledger Joker. He wasn't really doing anything. He was just sort of there. Do you ever have a dream where somebody prominent, and it feels like kind of a ripoff later, because if somebody really prominent was in your dream, but they weren't really doing anything. They were just, like, it was a walk-on, like, hi, you know, and then mm. they were gone. You're like, you know, you could have had a really great dream, because the Joker was in there, but he was just, like, sitting in a chair, like, going, hey, what's up? And then, like, that was the end of the dream. So it was it was really, like, you know, and featuring the Joker, you know, and it was just, like, three seconds on the screen. Um, okay, well, Johnny Depp, obviously, the greatest actor of his generation, uh, so anything, Johnny Depp, has Johnny Depp ever made, not a bad movie, but has he ever given a bad performance? He's I'm made a lot of bad a, movies. A lack of performance. Such as, you're going to say, uh, you're going to say Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. But see, but that, how can you say that? It's a bad movie to be sure, but he's a great, there's a great performance. It's okay, but it was with no effort, really. Well, but do you suppose that's because, I'm just, I'll, all apologetic about a movie I don't even like. Do you suppose that's because he so effortlessly embodies the character that it seems like there's no effort there, Tim? But in reality, the effort's all underneath the surface. It just seems like he was acting on an assembly line as a pirate. You feel he was phoning it in for the paycheck. Yes. Well, fair enough. Uh, he is a fantastic actor, and no, you know, the, the Riddler is a and the Riddler's a great villain. Mm-hmm. The Riddler's a great villain. The Penguin. The uh... Penguin thing scares me a little bit because the Penguin is just so kooky, and the Penguin gives me terrible flashbacks to Batman Returns mm-hmm. with Danny DeVito and Michael Keaton, which I know Tim Burton was trying to make the best out of a bad soup there, but that's an awful film. Batman Returns. Also, which one's 
So Batman Returns, what's Batman Forever? Is that the one with like Poison Ivy and... I think so. I don't know. Uh, they all sort of blend together in like a big candy-colored pastel mess. Uh, Batman Returns is one. Danny DeVito is the Penguin, and I swear to God, at one point, the sort of denouement of the film, or denouement of the film, is that he has a bunch of penguins rigged with missile launchers taking over the city. And I remember seeing, sitting in the theater, watching an army of penguins rigged with missiles, and thinking to myself, this has gone so terribly wrong in so many ways. But the, the penguin just seems like a bit of a silly villain. And I know that they can't out-dark themselves with the next one. I mean, the last one was just so dark, there's just no getting... There's, you can't... You can't out-grim the last film, but I uh, that the Joker, the, the, the Penguin thing, rather, kind of fills me with a little bit of a uh, little bit of anxiety. I uh, I hope that's wrong. I hope that's not true. I hope they're saying. I, I think the Johnny Depp thing is true, but I hope that that Penguin thing is a little bit of a red herring, throw people off the scent. You're listening to KCMD Portland. Here's Tim Riley. It looked like pink missiles in the sky. The first reported sightings of flamingos on the Mississippi coast happened as Gustav and Bay race through the region. It appears that the tropical storm systems blew flamingos in the Mississippi from the Everglades, the Keys, and even Cuba. The flamingos look like pink missiles in the sky, say the Mississippians. Some reports of the flamingos have surfaced from residents heading to the beaches for a chance to see the unique birds. Biologists said the birds would uh, be able to find their way back to Florida or Cuba. The sightings come a day after Faye passed through the area, and a couple of them came after uh, Gusta. This is the first time flamingo sightings have been officially recorded in the state of Mississippi. Pink flamingos stand at least four feet tall and have a wingspan below six feet. You know, the, what nobody's. I, here's the thing I'm surprised at. I'm surprised that nobody markets flamingos of different colors, like a green flamingo. Like spray painting them different colors? Well, no, because here's the thing, Tim. I'm glad you asked me that. And this wasn't, I swear to God, I didn't bring this up so I could show off my stupid trivia. But, you know, the thing is, you know why, why flamingos are pink? It's because of the food they eat. It's because they eat a lot of, I think it's, a, I think it's shrimp. Uh, and there's so much color in the shrimp that it actually, like, whatever, like, seeps into their feathers or whatever. But, but, but uh, flamingos are pink because of the food they eat. And so if you were actually to change their food, they go back to being white. The white is their natural color. They are only pink because of their diet. So it seems like you could just pack them full of blue food or something. Uh, and then you have blue flamingos. I'm spending way too much time. This is I'm going to pull the record. Go ahead. Meanwhile, a Colonel Sanders handwritten recipe of 11 herbs and spices is to be moved today from the safekeeping of KFC's corporate offices for the first time in decades. The temporary relocation is allowing KFC to revamp security around a yellow sheet of paper. This is a completely fabricated That contains story. one of the country's most famous corporate secrets. So apparently he uh, wrote this on the piece of paper. I'm sorry, I just stuck my. I was over there and it like. The refrigerator is so gross. No, it's not that. There's like a little leak in that coffee thermos, I think, and I stuck my hand in some like coagulated old coffee, and now my hand smells like uh, I was just fishing around inside a Folgers can. Um, but uh, blah blah blah. This recipe KFC. has been tucked away in a filing cabinet for more than 20 years, equipped with two combination locks at the company headquarters. But doesn't that sound though like sort of made up news? Yes. I but mean, people love it. I mean, look, I have no problem with KFC. It's a fine, it's a fine food. Makes makes my mouth a little dry, but you know what can you do? Makes poor people fatter. It's Tim Riley who said that. Uh, They're always in poor neighborhoods, but a half dozen stuff, so not more. I take offense at that statement, Tim Riley. Just one like a hundred yards from my house. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> but I'm right, Doctor. Yes, you are. Right from my house where my truck has been stolen four times. Yes, you bastards! Uh, you have neighbors that are finger-licking good. I uh, I will say this, uh, th that 
I at one point had a real uh, I had a real problem with Kentucky Fried Chicken at one point Why when I that? when I lived because I used to eat it all the time. I went through a phase. Uh, and that's what I said. I really don't have any problem with it. I went through a phase though where I ate at KFC a lot. Um, but, but man, it's like you would get about three pieces in, and it's like immediately uh, your your mouth just becomes like really dry. And you're like, I must have a beverage. So I got to say, it's a fine food. Um, uh, but it, it's like I learned that when I would go in, and I would always, and for a while, here's the, the other thing about KFC is that original recipe is fantastic. But it's like you get the extra crispy. Uh, and it's just, it's it's a little too much of a good thing. Getting the extra crispy is a little bit like getting the double stuff Oreo, where you kind of think it's going to be great, but then you realize you got to go with the uh, traditional. But uh, what was my point? Oh, but I learned that I had to sort of plan it out in advance, because I, uh, I would go to KFC, and it's like I would have to get the tankard of beverage to go with me, because you're just sort of putting it away, and they're like, and then you would, but I would always under-order the soda, and so then I'd get like three pieces in, and I'd be like, Oh, I'm so very thirsty. And there's other food that does that, too, like uh, like a Mediterranean food for some reason. It makes me real parched. I don't know why. Yeah, I got halfway through my falafel. I'm like, oh, I need a beverage. And it's like I've always either gotten none or I've consumed all the water and, like, the, the like the woman hadn't come by to refill it or whatever. And so then you got to go to the counter, and there's no longer wait for a beverage than when you're really, really thirsty. And meanwhile, it's like, I don't know, we're really understaffed, and uh, I got two guys out sick, so I'll try to get that for you in just, uh, just a few minutes, hon. And you're just it's sitting there feeling like your mouth is the Mojave Desert. So, in any event, um, blah, 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 finger looking good, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I'm a big fan. Uh, here's Tim Riley. A 54-year-old man says his obsessive-compulsive disorder drove him to eat 23,000 Big Macs in 36 years. 54-year-old Don Gorski said he hit the milestone last month, continuing a pleasurable obsession that began May 17th, 1972, when he got his first car. Uh, Gorski has kept every burger receipt in the box. He says he's always been fascinated with numbers, and watching McDonald's uh, track its number of customers motivated him to track his own consumption. The only day he skipped a Big Mac was the day his mother died, to respect your request. The Correctional Institute employee says he doesn't care when people call his Big Mac obsession crazy. He's in love with the burgers, which are the highlight of his days. Really? Yes, really. By the way, Batman Forever had Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Boy, that was terrible, so I did see that one. Batman and Robin, I've only seen part of. Uh, that had Poison Ivy, which was what, Alicia Silverstone? No, she's Batgirl. Who's Poison Ivy? Um, That was Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman. And, and Ice uh, and Schwarzenegger as oh Iceman. Oh, God, that was so terrible. And that was the one with George Clooney with the rubber nipples, right? Yeah, yeah. I've only ever seen, we were talking about that with Fatboy, uh, because they did the commentary for that. And I still have never seen the whole thing. Yeah, I just remember there's a lot of, like, ice to meet you, you know? It was yeah. terrible, because that was the summer, gosh, I think it was, like, in ninth grade. Ugh. Yeah, I stopped it. was it all, there. like, Seal Kiss from a Rose on every radio. Oh, God. Oh, oh it, I forgot all about that song. It never stopped playing. Oh, God. oh and, man. And it was on a continuous summer. loop for, like, two years. It was everywhere. It would not go away. You know, and the thing is, I liked that song at one point. That's a song that I can never listen to again. I did like it, but I've been so burnt out on it. Because uh, Seal had some, he had some, uh, you know, he had some, he had some good songs. Uh, man, I was I was kind of seeing this girl who was a huge Seal fan though, uh, and so it was like played all the time, like always, always, always. But then, it, but then it came out on that soundtrack, and then it was like game over. It's like it was just constantly I heard that. But um, what was my point? Da 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 da. I wasn't. I was working at a talk station, but I was working next door, like from us to KUFO. I was working next door to a uh, to an AC station uh, in Salt Lake, and man, they just played that Kiss from a Rose song. It was like every nine minutes. Uh, I mean, just over and over and over and over, and it was just uh, it, it got so unbelievably burnt out for me. So anyway, but I stopped. I stopped after the Jim Carrey's Riddler thing. Like that was the last one I saw all the way through. 
Uh, and then, yeah, Batman and Robin I've still never seen uh, in its entirety, because, like, why? What would what would be the point? Uh, it's hard to believe. You look at The Dark Knight, and then you go back and you look at especially, like, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, that stuff, and it's hard to believe they're even the same property. I think, was Drew Barrymore in Batman and Robin, too? Jesus, I don't know. Maybe. She might have been like the. I was extremely disappointed in somebody at that age. Is she what's it? The spunky reporter who knows Bruce Wayne's identity. Is she the Maggie Gyllenhaal? Maybe. No. I don't know. It's it's all very. Let's not talk about it anymore. Let's never discuss it again. Here's Tim Riley. Okay, let's cheer up with the corpse watch. Here's your corpse watch uh, for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson show. Tim Riley with a corpse watch for Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday. This comes to us from Cincinnati. The coroner's uh, office worker, uh, Kenneth Douglas, entered a plea of no contest to charges of gross sexual abuse of a corpse. The assistant to Hamilton County Prosecutor Mark Pymeyer says they will ask for the maximum sentence, 18 months, in a sentencing hearing later this month. He says uh, Douglas has admitted to molesting uh, three or four other bodies. But they're still <laughs> three, four. At a certain point, Tim, uh, they all blend together. They're not sure if the others were at the county morgue or some funeral home that he also worked for. He couldn't get enough of death. On August 20th, 1982, Karen Range was murdered. David Steppen was convicted of uh, killing her. Steppen admitted to the murder but denied all the other charges. During his appeal, investigators took another look at the DNA and found it did not match Steppen. Douglas was arrested in March on drug trafficking charges, was forced to submit a DNA sample. Because he violated his probation. That sample came back a match for the bodily fluid found in the dead woman. Upon hearing the news, Range's mother told the inquirer she felt like dancing and was overjoyed that her daughter was not raped when she was alive. Range's mother also claimed uh, Karen was a virgin. Uh, Judge William Mallory said that uh, Douglas was the one to sign in the body and took it out of the refrigeration unit, put it on the gurney, and then raped her. Well, this is just another reason to be cremated. Uh, Range's head was almost cut off in the attack by Stefan, and Douglas uh, covered her nearly decapitated head with a sheet during the sexual abuse. This might explain perhaps why people are leaving Cincinnati. Do you think? (laughs) Ohio seems like a place where lots of... Maybe Ohio is going to be the new Florida, Mm -hmm. because Florida was in turn the new Germany. All right, there's your corpse watch. Jesus. World full of freaks. Tim Riley. Attention, Richie. The maker of Crocs is sued over a boy's injuries in an accident. The father of a boy who was allegedly severely and permanently injured in an Atlanta escalator accident is suing the maker of Crocs. Clark Meyer said his son was wearing the popular clogs in July when his right foot was caught in an escalator at the city's Hartsfield Jackson International Airport. Meyer is seeking $2 million for his son's accident. That includes injuries to the boy's first three toes. In the suit, Meyer said the maker of Crocs became aware of the danger to children wearing the shoes in 2005. The same year, began marketing the clogs to the younger set. Well, you know, I think like everybody, I think I speak for all Americans now and probably all peoples around the world. 
that I mean, it, I mean, I'm 35 years of age, and I make sure that I never get anywhere near that point where the escalator stairs meet the teeth at the end. You know what I mean? Because you the shoelace in there, and then you're hosed. And I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I wonder if escalators have some sort of an auto-kill function where if it binds up, it stops. And even if they do now, they probably didn't always have that. And so that's a whole lot of, like, uh, that's like being uh, dragged slowly into a big, uh, that's like you're going to be like that guy in Temple of Doom dragged into the rock crusher. That's no good. Oh, by the way, uh, whenever we talk to Richie, and we'll do that maybe later on, um, so the fine folks at the, fine folks at the, at, at TMZ, uh, dropped us little. Uh, they dropped us little something. I think it's to yeah, promote. Yeah, I sent them our, our address. I think yeah. I think it's to pr- pr- yeah to promote some upcoming episode or something or other. Uh, but it's like a mini. It's like a like a alcohol tester that you can just have on your keychain. All right. Well, there you go, Sarah. Thank you. All right. Uh, I knew because she wrote asking for our address, and so I wrote her back. I'm like, please, yeah. TMZ, set us something. Yeah. So uh, anyway. Should we test people around the building to see how drunk they are right now? See <laughs> how drunk they are at this moment. By people, do you mean Richie? Oh my God, Rick! It says TMZ on it. Yes. So you're going to be the envy of all your friends. A TMZ breathalyzer on your keychain. So, by the way, what you what you don't, and I'm not saying this would ever happen, Sarah, but of course what you don't ever want to do is get popped by the cops for anything with that thing on your keychain. Because that's going to be a bad, and she had a, she had a breathalyzer on her keychain and still chose to endanger citizens. So there you go. Have fun with that. Thank you. All right. Here's uh, Well, let's do this. Let's do a couple more. Mm-hmm. Then we'll do, uh, that I will do, we can either do the top five. Or I now have two d- competing. It's the worst song you've ever heard. Uh, so we'll let the we'll we'll decide that here. Let's do like two more news stories, and then we'll do one of the musical features. Politics. Sarah Palin has charged her state a daily allowance normally used for official travel for more than 300 nights spent at her home. This is in the Washington Post. Apparently, she claimed an allowance on 312 occasions when she was at home in Wasilla. And that she billed taxpayers $43,490 for travel by her husband and children. The Post uh, says her claims nearly 17000 over 19 months were permitted because of her duty station in Juneau, the capital. And she was in Wasilla, 600 miles away. The governor moved to Juneau last year, but often stays in Wasilla and works uh, some 45 miles away at the state office in Anchorage. Palin's spending and record in office are coming under scrutiny as she is presented to the nation as a champion of ethics, reform, and frugality. The Post uh, story also shows her husband Todd and her daughters are reimbursed by taxpayers for many trips between Wasilla and Juneau, as well as for a variety of other travel, which she's also listing as state business. Her aides said travel by Alaska's first family are part of the job. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. Speaking of her family, oh, i got two things to say. One, next time you look at Todd Palin, which is Sarah Palin's uh, husband, I want you to look at Todd Palin, and the next time you see him, think this. Look at him, and I want you to think, Scotty J. He is Scotty J. Sarah Palin's husband. Even when he tries to when he tries to get all gussied up in his finery, he looks just like Scotty J. I mean, they could be they could be cousins, maybe not twins, but they could be cousins. And you get the feeling that if he were to start talking like in public, uh, he would sound a lot like Scotty J. Scotty J. By the way, who sent me a drunken text message last night? <gasps> oh. I miss you guys so much. Blah, blah. What is Scotty J doing now? Uh, getting drunk and sending me text messages about how he misses us. That's it. That's the extent of my knowledge on Scotty J. And that was a sheer coincidence, by the way. But last night, my little phone, you know, my phone beeped or whatever, like midnight. I'm like, who would be texting me at this hour? You know, who would be smashing his big, like, ham hands into a phone drunkenly at midnight sending me text messages? The answer, Scotty J. So, yeah, next time you look at Todd Palin and you see him, like, with a suit and a tie trying to look, you know, like he like he walks upright... 
you look at him and you just picture, you know, I'm Scotty J. It totally, man, it's they're from the same genus, at least. I'll give you that. Uh, let's I think see. Scotty J is a vice president of some company. Of course he is. Probably any number of uh, any number of companies right now. Also, uh, it, I've said this about an hour and 15 minutes. I'm still waiting for somebody to create the Sarah Palin interactive uh, pull-the-string webpage. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. Finally, Tim, let me ask you a question. Yes, please do. I think Richie left his studio, so I'm assuming that's Jim Roop. We'll get him in just one second. Uh, Tim, what is the uh, what is the difference between an earmark and pork barrel? Well, you... an earmark, I believe, is the sum put aside for something. A pork barrel is like the bridge to nowhere. So, but what is the what is the practical difference? Because and the only and I don't mean to put you on the spot about it, but they were talking. Anderson well, Cooper a, a was pork barrel is night. when they sneak different bills into one bill, like uh, like with words, uh, unrelated issues on a bill. Right. In other words, uh, we're going to pay for a new highway, but it's also going to pay for dog collars. Okay, that's pork barrel. Yes. Earmark is what? They've set aside a certain sum for, say, the bridge to nowhere and nothing else. In other words, they haven't, they're not sneaking it as, along no. as a rider on something else, but it is a specific allocation of funds right. for a given product. I would say so. A pork barrel is all kinds of hidden things. All right, okay. An earmark, though, is... Everyone has uh, a secret agenda attached to Everybody kind of tacks on their own request. Right. It's a wish list mm-hmm. tacked onto a non-relevant bill, mm-hmm. whereas an earmark is simply set aside. Right. Okay. Because they were talking That's about... That's my understanding of it. Anyway. All right. Uh, because they were talking about Very earmarks, well. and I guess they said, to be fair, that McCain has, like, none, zero... Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, of course, Sarah Palin is 187 million of them. So, you know, what are you going to do? Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from, I think, Las Vegas, Nevada, where the living is easy, Jim Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy, sir. I'm in between uh, L.A. and Vegas right now. Are you heading back to L.A. or back to Vegas? I'm heading back to L.A., but I'm going to probably be turning around in the next day or so because they are... Uh... They're moving right along with his jury selection. Yeah, they're whipping right through it. I was watching CNN last night, and Jeffrey Tubin had the greatest line. Uh, Anderson Cooper was talking to Jeffrey Tubin about the OJ thing, and Jeffrey Tubin, this is the actual quote, he said, Anderson, uh, it appears that OJ and the men were arguing over some memorabilia, or the technical term, a bunch of crap. <laughs> That's why I love Jeffrey Tubin. Uh, is, is, so they've, uh, where are they in terms of like jury selection? Are they going to get that done soon? Well, they, uh, the judge wanted to get to testimony next week, which means she wants to get through opening statements this week. So they're in the process now of trying to find that 40 people from which the um, lawyers can give their preemptory challenges. Right. I guess they get eight apiece, and would have had down to 12 jurors and eight alternates, and they technically, because of the process that's going on now, the way they're doing it, they could get it done probably tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. So is the is the real issue here whether there were guns in the room and whether O.J. knew there were going to be guns in the room? That's just one of the issues. I mean, there's the whole conspiracy issue. Uh, there's the whole, uh, it was the stuff really, O.J. Simpson stuff. Was it sold before? And he was just, I don't know, he, he was just raging at the time. There's several issues involved. And, and the, the biggest one to me, though, is the kidnapping because, as we talked about before, kidnapping in Nevada is just preventing somebody from leaving a room. And if they prove O.J. Simpson prevented those guys from leaving the room because he had a gun or a knife or whatever his weapon of choice happens to be, then he's guilty of kidnapping, which 
Five in prison with the possibility of parole. I think O.J. himself probably counts as a weapon of choice at this point. Uh, <laughs> they were playing the uh, the audio recording last night, and, uh, you know, they may just be a bunch of knuckleheads screaming about a bunch of garbage in a room, but there's got to be a special kind of fear when O.J. Simpson, who, in the opinion of many, uh, is a double murderer, is sitting there screaming at you going, You MFers, don't leave the room! Oh, yeah, and he, he has that look on his face anyway. Yeah. That he, it just looks like he's ready to snap at any moment. Even in the courtroom, even though he's real relaxed, he's even joking around with the bailiff stuff. Uh, he, I mean, he looks like, man, you can just push one small button and he'll just go nuts. I do believe he has what the psychiatrists call poor impulse control. Oh, no doubt. Um, let me ask you this. Is it? Uh, and I think you already kind of gave us the answer to this, but it, it, it appears that there's no media hype frenzy circus about this really at all. Well, not right now. I think, first of all, this is jury selection. It's like watching grass grow. And then you have the idea of the political conventions that were going on and all the politics with Sarah Palin right now. There's, right. I don't know how many hurricanes we still have out there. But there's a whole lot more going on in the world right now than O.J. Simpson. It's not a big deal even to the local media in Las Vegas. I was surprised that I think there was maybe 10 people uh, media-wise that were in the room, the overflow room yesterday. The courtroom, you can come in and out of the courtroom whenever you want. It's pretty empty except for the 40 potential juror members. Right. So it's really kind of a, a non-story at this point. I believe through the entire trial it'll be that way. But once the verdict is about to be announced, or when they reach a verdict, that's when the entire world will want to know what's going on. We're all going to take ten minutes to watch that, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, by the way, just and you may already know this, but the next time you have to turn around and go back to Las Vegas, something to make you feel a little bit better, there is now a fully open and functional Tommy's in Las Vegas. Where? Um... Having said that, now I don't have the address. We have a listener, uh, a, a good listener of ours, a, a guy named Randy, who's listened to us for a long time. He uh, just told me that it opened about three blocks from his house. I'll get the address. I'll email it to you. Oh man, I found an In and Out. Oh yeah, I there's an find... yeah, there's an In and Out right off the strip. Yeah, I did find that, but I haven't. I didn't see the Tommy. No, no, no. The Tommy's just opened in Vegas. I'll get the address. I will send it your way, sir. Oh, you'd be my hero again. That's what I do, my friend. All right, travel safe. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. There you go, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent, fantastic. It's on Tropicana Avenue. Oh, really? Okay, well, twenty-six thirty-five. Well, I'm sorry about that. Uh, it's right, Soviet Tropicana, which is where, um, well, I was on the Strip, and there's that Motel Six right there, and whatever. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so it, uh, it just opened. So the next time I go, because Fat Burger's really fallen off. I don't know, man. I've given it. They got two strikes. They're not going to get a third from me. It's very sad. I uh, the last two times I've gone to Fat Burger, it's been a big, it's been a big fat disappointment, Tim. Uh, so the in and out continues to reign supreme among all uh, of those, you know, that type of hamburger place. The, the Fat Burger has, uh, they've screwed me twice. And so I'm going to lay off Fat Burger for a couple of years. Give them another, you know, I'll give them a chance to, to sort of regroup. Uh, but next time I go back to Vegas, man, you get the Tommy's, you get that uh, like big ass, like chili burger thing they sell you. It's fantastic. All right. Let's do a couple more and then we can either do the top five or I can do one of the worst songs ever. I've got two. I've got a political one and a religious one. It's up to let's, you. Let's do a song. Should we do the song? Okay. So we'll do, like, one more story. We'll do the worst song into the break, and then we'll come back and reset on the other side. Let's do uh, one more story of your choosing, Tim, because my stories are all uh, the suck. Let's see. Of my choosing. Authorities say they've arrested a man who broke into the home of two California farm workers, stole money, rubbed one with spices, and whacked the other with a sausage. Fresno County Sheriff's Lieutenant Ian Rumong says a 22-year-old Antonio Vasquez was found hiding in the field wearing only a T-shirt, boxers, and socks. 
He said deputies arrested Vasquez after finding a wallet containing his ID in the ransacked house. The farm workers told deputies the suspect uh, awoken Saturday morning by, uh, oh, he was awoken after somebody was rubbing spices on him. And the other one got smacked in the head with an 8-inch sausage. And that's not code for something. It was actually like a real 8-inch sausage. Mm-hmm. They're being rubbed with spice is a little unnerving because then it makes you wonder, like, if that's step A, like, what is step C in Are that whole thing? secret spices from Kentucky Fried Chicken? You no, know, it's a closely guarded secret, Tim. Okay. But it makes me wonder, like, is, is, like, like, is that step, like, 1 and, like, step 9 is then uh, him being on trial for, like, uh, the cooking up your, uh, your fingers in a saucepan or something? I suppose. All right. We will play the worst song ever to a break. All right. I'll let you guys choose. I have a religious one. I have a political one. What do you want? I kind of like religious. I don't know. What about you, Tim? Yes, I, I need the word of God today. Well, okay. Uh, this was sent to me by many people. There's a couple reasons why this is terrible. One, first of all, they've got an awkward name. The band is called Sunseed. That's S-O-N, by the way. S-O-N-S-E-E-D. Really? Yes. Hmm. Uh, this song is called Jesus is a Friend of Mine. Sunseed? Sunseed. Presumably the Son of God or or something. Yeah. I don't really know, actually, having said it out loud. kind of gross. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, also gross is the line uh, in the song, something about Jesus finding you and touching you. I yeah. think that's in the song as well. <laughs> uh, presumably deep inside. Oh, very deep inside. Your heart? Also, it's ska, so, you know. Have fun with that. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Sunseed and Jesus is a friend of mine. Exactly like you think they would. Bunch of Flanders. Once I tried to run, I tried to run and hide. But Jesus came and found me and he touched me down inside. There you go. He is like a mountain. He always gets his man. And he'll zap you any way he can. Jesus apparently always gets his man. He loves me when I waste my time by writing silly songs. He loves me when I'm quiet and 
and I have nothing to say. He'll love me when I'm perfect, if I ever get that way. There you go, kids. Sunseed. Jesus is a friend of mine. It's the worst song you've ever heard. Back after this on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I gotta find another one. I got four watches right now, and I'm gonna hold the line at four. But I got I got this one that you like, and then I got another one of these. It's like this watch, but with a leather band. And then I have the fossil one that has that animation of the phoenix in the middle. And then I got the fourth one. I like that one. The fourth one is the very first watch I ever picked up for myself, like once. It's when I did that whole the makeover thing and where it's something I'd never really thought about. And I know that everybody else, like in the world, learned this a long time ago. But it's where that, that Joel guy told me, he's like, you know, a watch is jewelry. Remember that. And that so the first thing I got was that Eddie Bauer watch, which I actually like a lot. But it's just... Uh, I've moved on from it. I'm I'm moving off of that watch. So I got to replace. So I got to get a I got to get a new watch to replace that one. So I'm trying to figure. So anyway, but during the break, so back in Richie's room, and Richie, who just like just has all like rocks all kinds of different styles and fashion. And I don't know if it works or doesn't work, but it's like from day to day, even from moment to moment, you look at Richie, and you can't quite tell what look he's going for. Because you got all that free. He's wearing a diamond pinky ring today. He's wearing a diamond pinky ring, which I guess was one of two, and he lost the other one. Uh, he wears all that like Kenneth Cole because he's got like a sister who works at a department store. And then today he's wearing this really cool watch, but it's like instead of a watch band, it's got links. So it almost looks like a bracelet, but with him with a watch in the middle. And I said, you know, where did you get that? He's like, at the Gucci store. So I immediately sort of took a, off the list of things I was going to be buying. But anyway, blah, blah, blah. I got to get a new watch. I'm done. Oh, by the way, Snurf apparently is... Just a, uh, that is a custom brand of, of the thing we were talking about with those other kids, dextromethorphan. So apparently dextromethorphan, the kids have having, having to resort to having a, a, a phlegm remover as their drug. So sad. Oh, by the way, the new radio TV interview report is in. Uh, I'm looking through it right now. There's a whole bunch of stuff here. I was, some stuff that seemed funny to me this morning, but I'm gonna, I'm not, it's, it's less funny now. The only really funny thing here in this uh, month's edition of the radio TV interview report, um, the one man in America who knows what the number one investment is, he'll light up your switchboard. You know what his name is, Tim? No. He is the author of the book, The Incredible Investment Book, The Number One Way to Invest in the Number One Investment. This is a terrible title. The Number One Way to Invest in the Number One Investment in America. It's the worst book title I've ever heard. His name, I swear to Christ, Chuck Salisbury. That is simultaneously the manliest and dumbest name I've ever heard. Chuck Salisbury. Look at a picture of Chuck Salisbury. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll do. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Nina Parker from TMZ in a few. Later on, we'll see how Richie's uh, attempt at the being a strip club DJ went. I've once again failed to do the top five in the 1 o'clock hour, so that's on me. Jesus, touch me deep inside, blah, blah, blah. Here's Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The Salem Police Department is complaining about a sharp increase in the theft of catalytic converters. Now, these contain metals that can be extracted and sold to dealers. Rising metal prices have made the thefts more profitable. And most of them are stolen from pickups or SUVs because they're easy to take out because they're higher off the ground. So if you see somebody underneath one of these things, you're moving a catalytic converter, 
Chances are they're stalling, so do be suspicious. Let's check in with the world of cannibals now with the Cannibal Watch. Here's your Cannibal Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson program. So this is about the uh, Canadian cannibal. The lawyer for the man accused of beheading and cannibalizing an, a passenger aboard the Greyhound bus says the psychiatrist needs more time to complete a report. <laughs> really? Yeah, whether or not the accused is fit to stand trial. Uh, the judge has ordered Vince Lee to undergo a psychiatric examination following his alleged slaying. How can it be alleged? He's the only one. The alleged slaying of the 22-year-old Carney, Tim McLean, in July, an attack which witnesses aboard the bus said appeared to be unprovoked. Defense lawyer Alan Liebman said the uh, psychiatrist examining Lee has asked for an extension, and the evaluation is expected to be ready October 6th. The prosecution is hoping Lee's assessment will be completed before the scheduled court hearing. He is not due in court uh, today, but a judge is expected to decide when the next hearing will be. Lee immigrated to Canada from China in 2004. He's charged with second-degree murder in the slang. He has yet to enter a plea. 37 passengers were aboard that Greyhound bus that was traveling at night along a lonely stretch of the Trans-Canadian Highway, outside of Portage La Prairie, Manitoba. So that is their uh, cannibal wife. So, but they need more time to analyze More time, it. yes. So this is the He's guy... a complicated man. Stabbed the dude, killed the dude, and then was eating the dude on the bus. Mm -hmm. Many layers and nuances to him, yeah. apparently. All right, there's uh, your cannibal <laughs> Oh, by the way, so we've got an email. So this guy concurs. He says, Fat Burger is absolutely overrated, and it, at least in the last few years it has been. I'm very sad. Begin, I've re do you ever do this where you recommend a place to, and then like somebody goes there, and then it sucks? Or even worse, like you go there with them, and it sucks? Mm -hmm. And the whole time you have to do it, no, 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 it used to, trust me, it's, it's usually really good. Like when we went to Vegas with Aaron and Jen, we go to Fat Burger, and then, you know, especially where, you know, you, your calories like that, where you're going to eat something that's just like full-on screamingly fattening for you, you want it to be good. He says, uh, In-N-Out is the king of fast food eating. However, Rick, there's a joint here in OC, in the OC, this is Aaron in the OC, uh, called Nowlwood. Nowlwood, Tim? Mm. Must be uh, conducive to the OC. I've never heard of it. says they make a hamburger similar to the In-N-Out burger, but it's better. It's bigger. The bun is perfectly toasted. The patty is grilled in magnificence. The cheese is grilled on the sides. Oh, damn you, you're making me hungry. Blah, 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 blah. And the fries are steak fries. So it's been around since the 50s. Uh, da, 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 da. And then he uh, talks about how he believes the Riddler to be the poor man's Joker. I mean, I will say, it's tough to follow the Joker, because I think by most accounts, by most independent assessments, whatever one thinks about the big Batman versus Superman uh, you know, debate, uh, I think we can all agree. And I think everyone would probably say that the Joker is the ultimate comic book villain. I mean, even I know that. I mean, he's, he's the top of the mountain. He's the, he's the king. He's a... Uh, he he is to comic book villains as as Darth Vader is to movie villains. I mean, there's just no there's no getting around that. All right, we'll talk to a Nina Parker from TMZ and so forth. If you uh, let's see, our friend the Low has sent me this. Rick, here's the best movie synopsis ever. This is a synopsis he found for a movie on Netflix. I'm going to read you the synopsis. He says the synopsis, the synopsis of this movie is as follows: quote. In a post-apocalyptic society where men have been eradicated, barely clad hotties battle for supremacy in junkyards and gravel pits. It's here where two tribes battle for control of one pregnant woman and, in turn, the fate of the human race. And then he says, I am ordering this right now. 
It sounds a lot like Hell Comes to Frogtown. Let me see. No, no, no. It's She-Wolves of the Wasteland. I am all over that. And, of course, the irony is now I won't be able to because he's getting it. Oh, and it's not rated NR. Yeah. All right. She-Wolves of the Wasteland. But, sir, if you like She-Wolves of the Wasteland, you'll love Hell Comes to Frogtown. Uh, starring Roddy Roddy Piper. Hell Comes to Frogtown, I swear to God, this is true. It's a fantastic film. Hell Comes to Frogtown is about, yes, a post-apocalyptic wasteland of the future. There is a nuclear war. All men have been eradicated and or are sterile. And so the human uh, human race is dying out because the world has been taken over by giant uh, six-foot-high frogs who have developed artificial intelligence. You know, they become very smart. Anyway, so all the men are sterile. The world is run by super aggressive frogs who are six feet tall and can talk. And Rowdy Roddy Piper is the last fertile man on Earth. So he has to fight giant talking frogs wielding guns so he can rescue uh, human women and impregnate them with his Rowdy Roddy Piper seed. It's the best movie ever. Hell comes to Frogtown. Here's Tim Riley. A $950 chihuahua is stolen and an ex-deputy arrested. This is in Florida. A former sheriff's deputy is charged with grand theft after two witnesses say they saw him take a $950 chihuahua under his jacket and walked out of the Putnam County Pet Store in Florida. The owner told deputy that when he uh, left, John May was in the back room of the store. Other passengers came in. Then the guy leaves, and uh, some of the customers were very suspicious because, well, the deputy was wearing a heavy jacket on a 90-degree day. He denied taking the dog was not arrested. The next day, the 11-year-old son of a regular customer told investigators he saw the uh, deputy open the cage, grab the dog, and put it in his jacket. So now the deputy's under arrest, charged with grand theft of a chihuahua. You know, stealing a chihuahua is just dumb. I mean, I'm sure there be... Does anybody here own a chihuahua, or has anybody not. here owned one? No. no. A chihuahua is sort of like one of those, like... Little tiny, uh, like shaved up pink poodles or whatever. Like one of the, it's like, it's just a sort of a novelty dog. And chihuahuas seem kind of mean, don't they? And chihuahuas seem like they're going to be a little high, strong, yeah. and probably take a chunk out of your leg when you're not looking. So, Laura and I, every now and again, have, have looked for a second dog to sort of, you know, be a pal to Max so they can solve crimes together when we're not around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would never get a chihuahua. They seem very, uh, they seem very spastic. So, I mean, there's one of those creatures in the house already, and its name is Rick. Let's, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Rick Emerson on KCMB Portland. Thank you. I uh, was calling about uh, your watches. Yeah. Um, if you have never been down to the Woodburn Outlet Mall, there's a fossil outlet down there where you can uh, buy fossil watches for up to 40, 50% off. Really? Really good value, yeah. Because i got to say, of the four watches I own, three of them are fossil watches. Tim, are you wearing a fossil watch? I am indeed. I'm wearing one right now. Uh, it's a... I have uh, 14 fossil watches. Good for you. All different, and, uh, yeah, go down and see Jen. Tell him Jeff sent you. All right, yeah, I'll be sure to do that. All right, it is the Woodburn Fossil Outlet Store. Yes, seriously, right. it's it's the greatest value. You'll walk in there, and if you hit the uh, burn section, mm-hmm. you can get, like, a $105 watch for, like, 40 bucks. All right, I am all over that. I'm completely doing that this weekend. Thank you. Good time. All, all right. right. There you go. Thank all you. Right. Well, i got to get me a watch in time for the Dennis Miller thing on Saturday. Uh, don't forget, coming up next hour, we'll give away a pair of Dennis Miller tickets to see his show live at Spear Mountain Casino uh, Saturday. Tomorrow, we're going to give away the grand prize, which is a pair of tickets and overnight lodging at Spear Mountain Casino, so you can uh, eat, drink, gamble, be merry, destroy your brain cells by the billions, and then just go crash in your room. Uh, so we're going to give that away tomorrow. All day tomorrow, we'll be going to the phones, and you must rant for 60 seconds about a topic of your choosing. Now, you can either write it or you can you know, freestyle it, but it's got to be an original creation. So a 60-second rant 
on a subject of your choosing. Uh, we will take those calls sporadically throughout the day tomorrow. So you can be writing that or working on it now. At the end of tomorrow's show, the best rant as decided by we, the cast and crew of the Rick Emerson Show. You win the grand prize, uh, passes to see Dennis Miller on Saturday and overnight lodging at Spirit Mountain Casino. This is Tim Riley. Guess who's going to be in New York City tomorrow? Both John McCain and Barack Obama for 9-11. Mayor Bloomberg says keeping the presidential candidate safe is his top priority. Uh, keep in mind, this is New York. Safety is the number one priority, but also I think we've... Uh, provided it. We have heads of state coming here all the time. Uh, we work well with the federal security agencies. You can rest assured of two things. One, we will make sure they're safe, and two, we won't announce our plans in advance. Oh, wait a minute. Tomorrow's not 9-11. No, Tomorrow it's Thursday. Tomorrow 9-10. But, I mean, you could, then the same, and Steve Kastenbaum, who, by the way, uh, is a native New Yorker, was there through the whole thing, is there now, mm-hmm. and he's pointed out that really they could, uh, they could help all of this just by not showing up. Because apparently most of the people who are going to be at this, uh, you know, whatever, this, this sort of gathering or this memorial, whatever it is in 9-11, apparently they don't like politicians who are running for anything to show up for it. But, mm-hmm. but you do sort of wonder, uh, you do sort of wonder if the, how do I put this? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to find the right words for this. Because, it, because I guess my point is, and I think a lot of us feel uh, that this kind of stuff gets used for a very... I mean, they don't even try to hide it. It gets used very overtly for political ends. Mm-hmm. And so you'd like to think that a politician at one point, at some point would say, look, uh, you know, 9-11 is a very significant date, you know, the, 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 the very traumatic event, and so, you know, we will all be remembering, we will all have our thoughts with the victims, but, you know, I don't want to show up because I don't even want the appearance that I'm making political hay out of it. But then you wonder if they're going to get flack from the opposition for, you know, he couldn't even be bothered to come to the memorial. And so it does sort of become like the flag pin thing. Because, like, at some point, somebody's just going to have to stand up and go, look, I, I live here, you live here, I'm not wearing the flag pin, it's ruining my outfit. And I, just, I was thinking that with Barack Obama when he was speaking. He was having what Jonas Nightingale would call an accessory crisis. So Obama gets up there, great speech, you know, great look, they're totally well put together. He had, like, the right handkerchief or whatever, you know, he just looked fantastic. But then the whole outfit is marred by the flag pin, which just throws off a very, a very well-crafted sort of ensemble that he was wearing. As they would say in Project Runway, he did not resolve the suit. So Maybe the Canadian flag pin will look better. I'm just saying at some point, somebody's just got to like, they've got to bite the bullet and go, look, uh, you know, I live here, we're all citizens, I'm going to quit wearing the flag pin. It's, uh, it's, counter- it's, throwing off, uh, it's throwing off the feng shui of my suit. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com, our good friend Nina Parker. Hello, and how are you on this very fine Tuesday? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. How are you guys doing? I am fantabulous. That's how I am. Nice. Um, okay, so a couple things to run through. First of all, and I guess between this morning and now, I heard the story, and then the story got discredited, and now the whole story has been resolved. And it was something going around that Josh Hartnett got caught. Let me see if I get this right. Got caught on camera getting it on with some woman in a library. Right. There was a story basically circulating that said that Josh Hartnett and an unnamed female friend had like a sexual rendezvous at a library within a London hotel. And it was all supposed to be called on surveillance tape. And we've confirmed that the story is just completely bogus. Um, we found out that Josh does stay at the hotel sometimes. He, however, was not even anywhere near the hotel that night. Um, not, not even close. So his rep is saying, you know, that he's hired a U.K. lawyer who special, specializes in defamation and maybe going through with the suit against this paper in London for just 
pumping out false accusations of him. You know, in London is sort of, you know, the, the British legal system and the British press is sort of mystifying to me because on the one hand, as I understand it, they got much uh, stricter laws there in terms of libel and slander. In other words, it, it's a lot easier to sue somebody in Britain right. for saying something. On the other hand, you got the British tabloids, which are just like, uh, just seem to run amok all the time. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, delicate needle that they thread over there. Right, right. And I mean, they they come up with some really outlandish things. And so, you know, we're always really careful when something comes out because, we, you know, we we're interested, but it's 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 you know, it's not very reliable. So, you know, we did check, and and he's, his people are saying, you know, this is. 100% not true. So, no tape of him, not even anywhere near the hotel. Uh, there is something else going on today that I ought to know about because I live here in Portland, Oregon. But on the other hand, uh, my sports knowledge, you could fit all of my sports knowledge into the navel of a flea. I mean, <laughs> it, it really, my sports knowledge is so non-existent, it can't even be graphed. I uh, think we might be tied on that. I'm, I'm pretty much there as well. So, maybe this is a little bit of the blind leading the blind. Uh, but I know that uh, Greg Oden, who is at least theoretically a trailblazer... Right. Uh, uh, so he got caught when he was when he was doing like some he was doing the karaoke of some in sync song or something. Yeah, if you go to the website, you can check him out. He was at a charity event in Oregon actually, and he just he just totally was on you know doing the in sync thing. He was singing "It's Gonna Be Me." And it's just the funniest thing you've ever seen because you kind of are used to these guys being aggressive and, you know, and this he was a he was a great guy. So he's singing karaoke at this charity event, doing a good thing. So, you know, not the normal sports player that you see. He's being really silly. Excellent. And then finally, as we sort of wrap this up, I know that you guys have got uh, TMZ.com. you got this whole piece about uh, Angelina Jolie. And I never know what the party line is on her. Does she claim... That she's all natural, no no plastic surgery, no no cosmetic, whatever, no nothing. You know, honestly, I haven't heard her comment on that at all. So I'm not sure if she's ever openly admitted to doing anything. To me, I, it doesn't look like she's had much done. Some some people speculate if she's had a nose job or not. But we have some pictures of her when she was a teenager, and to me, she looks almost the exact same as she does now. Just you know, of course, she's filled out a little bit, but yes. uh, you know, still the same pouty lips, still you know the same glare that she always has so uh, we put a poll up and a lot of people think that she's 100% natural so uh, and a couple things one is and I've said this for a long time is that Angelina Jolie even let's assume for the for the moment that she is 100% natural no cosmetic surgery she is one of those women who is just she almost doesn't look real, even if she is. I mean, my wife and I were watching that movie Wanted uh, right. about a, a couple months ago, and my wife leaned over and she's like, "No one can look that amazing." She's like, "She's in, she's it must be she's a space alien." I mean, there's just no one who can look like that. Right. Um, so, and also these photographs. I'm looking at them here on TMZ. Are these um, now? Are these taken? Do you know how old she was here? Was she of age? Wait, she was a teenager. We're not quite sure where, what point this was taken in her teenage years. She was pretty young, so we're, we're speculating about 16, 17 years old. Uh, so I don't wish to appear lecherous. So I will simply say uh, she was an attractive girl at that point. She was, uh, she, all, she was. already she very was fetching. Awesome. Yeah, very, <laughs> very fetching. And uh, I really do have to say, they, uh, I think they made 16-year-old and 17-year-old girls like a whole different way when I was going to school uh, than they do now. I mean, there's... Uh, <laughs> Really, there's some sort of we somebody in a lab somewhere is doing a whole lot of science where they're creating 16 and 17 year old girls that look like they just stepped off a catwalk somewhere. Yeah, it's called Hollywood. Yep. <laughs> All right, Nina Parker, TMZ.com. Always a pleasure. We will talk to you next time. All right, thanks so All much. Right, thank you, Nina Parker, ladies and gentlemen. Wonderful, excellent. All right. Okay, we can break right now and get caught up. Yes, let's do. All right, we we'll take a break. Break. I'm proud of you, Rick.
I just tried to speak, and it all came out of the, the big jumble right there. See, yeah. you know you made the right decision because it's meatloaf. There you go. The universe is, that's an affirmation right there. These pictures of Angelina Jolie. I don't know how old she is here, but she is gorgeous. There's a photo of her. If you go to TMZ, it's the one on the left. You first see it. It's like the hottest high I, I don't mean this to sound creepy, but it looks like a sort of high school photo. It looks like the kind of photo a high school girl would get taken for her yearbook. The one with the gray background? Yeah, but it's like the hottest photo you've ever seen. She's just really, truly gorgeous. And she really is. All right. Well done. Uh, come back after this. We'll find out how Richie performed last night as a strip club DJ. Did he get the gig or not? The rest of the story coming up next. Uh, top five Dennis Miller tickets. More from Tim Riley. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. What kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. And clearly she had it hold down to like a whole David Mamet-esque like flow. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. 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 What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. Jesus, Jesus. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, that was our good friend Calvin uh, behind that joint, as they say. Okay, so we have to apologize for something. So, so our good friend Kara dropped something off earlier uh, with his bag of stuff at the front, and it was like a like a minty yogurty sort of drink, which I think Sarah described as being. I can't really have like any dairy receptor in the show because it kind of comes up my mouth. You described it as being sort of a intense tasting. Yes. Maybe not something something that. You're glad you tried? Maybe not something you would drink am, all the time? I, as always, I am grateful for any listener who thinks of us. But uh, maybe not a thing you would you would go out of your way to buy? You said it was sort of, uh, you said it was kind of blinding it, to it taste. Was, it was, um, the way it's described at the bottle makes it sound very delectable. However, it kind of tastes different. It's a little bit of an overwhelming taste. A little, little overwhelming. But, the, but anyway, so then we look inside, so there's that, uh, and then there's a coffee cup and two t-shirts inside. And so I apologize for being so thick. Uh, I, I'm looking at it, I'm going, there's a t-shirt. And two T-shirts and a coffee cup with pictures of donuts. And we were looking, going, okay, we're dumb. Why? Why can't we figure this out? Why did she bring us a coffee cup and two shirts with donuts? Donuts. Do we like donuts? I mean, why? What is that all about? Anyway, so uh, you know, so we started divvy it up. You know, T-shirt, T-shirt, and then the coffee cup to Richie. And then Sarah and I are back there talking to Richie during the break just now. And Richie's looking at the coffee cup. And what is he saying to himself? He's going white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. And Sarah and I realized he didn't even realize it. Richie was the the brainiac on this one. How dumb is that? How shame do we feel uh, that we're such retards? We couldn't figure it out. It took Richie to go. No, no, no. It's a white wheat sourdough English muffin and a bagel. So thank you for that. So see now. I'll wear it proudly. I would have worn it anyway, but I would have been confused. I wish that one of them fit me. That sucks. Uh, yes, you're just too small. 
Yes, it's your curse, Sarah. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, here's what we're going to do. Okay, in my own defense, you heard me talking about this during the break. I tried to do the top five in the one o'clock hour today, but we had already scheduled Jim Roop. So here's what we're going to do. Lest you all think I'm just mouthing about trying to get the top five taken care of. Starting tomorrow, see, tar- starting today, we were going to p- do the top five in the one o'clock hour, but I realized too late that we'd already scheduled CNN uh, correspondent James Roop at 1.15. Didn't want to have to bump him. So starting tomorrow, the 1.15 CNN correspondent is start- is going to get moved to two. The top five will be at 1.15. The 115 CNN correspondent will be at 2. So that way we get the top five done. It'll be a change for the CNN folks. And then that way people aren't, you know, like some people who can only listen at 1 or only listen at 2 or whatever, they'll get to hear it change up a little bit. So tomorrow we're going to do the top five at 115, CNN person at 2. I'll still try to fit in today if we can, but if we don't, I want you to know I made a good faith effort. So here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to take caller five uh, for your shot at a pair of tickets to see Dennis Miller this coming Saturday, kids, at Spirit Mountain Casino. Uh, we'll take caller number five right now to play SNL Trivia. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Play uh, SNL Trivia for a pair of uh, tickets to see Dennis Miller this coming Saturday night. He'll also be there Friday, but this Saturday night's show at Spirit Mountain Casino. And then tomorrow we'll be doing the grand prize which is a pair of tickets to Dennis Miller and an overnight stay at Spirit Mountain Casino as well. Uh, for tomorrow, you must be preparing, uh, either on paper or in your own head, a 60-second rant about a topic of your choice. You can write it, you can read it, you can memorize it, whatever, but it's got to be original creation. can't be from anybody else. got to come out of your own brain. Uh, so that is tomorrow. We'll be taking your 60-second rants all day long. Uh, for the grand prize, Dennis Miller tickets and uh, overnight stay at Spirit Mountain Casino. Right now, we'll take caller number five, to play SNL trivia. In the meantime, in between time, this is Jesse. Hello, sir. Hey, yeah, you're right. Actually, this is Jesse. Um, yeah, I don't know if you got it or not. I sent you an email that said uh, nanotechnology is cheap. Okay. Um, you may need to check your spam folder. Uh, I was in the auto parts store the other day, and uh, for $20, you can get nanotechnology for your car. Wait, but when you, when you say nanotechnology, what are you talking about? That is exactly what it says on the thing. It's some head block repair liquid gooey substance, but uh, it's just the fact that it says nanotechnology, and they no, expect no, no. Hold on. because of that. Hold on. I'm going to pull up a chair. Sure, Na- I, I understand what nanotechnology is like in theory. Uh-huh. So it's, do I. It's something very, very small stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, so this is, let's back up for a second. Where did so you the, see this? <laughs> at uh, Shucks Auto Parts. All right. Uh, a fine sponsor, by the way. And so uh-huh. they're advertising that nanotechnology is available for your car. Did they give any explanation behind that? Uh, absolutely not. There's and and you'll see I've attached photos as well. There we go. Permanent head gasket and block repair. <laughs> it appears to be a brand simply called Nanotechnology. Um, actually, no. It's a uh, hold on for one. Oh, wait, more. the brand is KW something. The brand is KW. That's correct. Nanotechnology. I wonder if that's just a uh, that's going to become a buzzword. Well, and that's the thing. I you know they're using. I I assume that they're putting it there so that. So those of us that are not quite in the know about the tech, the whole you know right. the technology 20th century thing, 21st century, I apologize, right. you know, aren't, aren't going to get it, and then they're going, ooh, nanotechnology, whatever. But the funny thing is you turn it over on the back, and it's got, of course, the you know the, the line drawing of how it works. Of course. You know, ja- there's a whole jagged thing that's supposed to be your head block, and then it shows, you know, the other block sealant. Here's like, brand here's, X. 
Yes, are these huge circles that right. uh, can only fill in, you know, one or two of the cracks because they're so huge. And then right beside it is the KW nanotechnology brand. Uh, itty bitty teeny weeny little tiny circles. So there's hundreds of little circles that fill in these cracks. This makes me think for some reason of the scrubbing bubbles commercials from the 80s. Well, which... there's that or the, uh, or the line drawings of the, uh, the blackhead removers that you see in the back of comic books. Totally, totally. <laughs> what was up and with those? Was it... was it just like a little suction pump? It was a little suction thing, you know, you know supposed to pop it right out. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, uh, we you could know. do, I, we could do a whole hour, and we will someday, about cool crap they sold in the back of comic books. I don't think they do that anymore. I don't think they have that same, like, you know, magic x-ray specs page or whatever. They don't. It all kind of went back to, uh, it, it, you know, what's left is like the boy's life. You know, sell 10,000 yeah. magazines and you get, you know, a bicycle tire. Going to go sell me a copy of Grit. That's yeah. what I'm going to go sell. All right. But, thank uh, you, sir. Hey, before, good. before we go, do you know what they call really small nanotechnology? Um, this should be interesting. Nano-nano. Goodbye, sir. Thank you. There you go. See, well, usually it's the listeners who have stupid punchlines, and then I have to hang up on them. That was a little reverse there. I had the dumb punchline. He hung up. Bam. All right, let's see. Uh, we'll do this. We will do, uh, where the hell is my... Ladies and gentlemen, it's once again... This music stresses me out because I associate this with... And now, who's ready to play Final Jeopardy? Uh, it's time to play SNL Trivia for a pair of passes to see Dennis Miller at Spirit Mountain Casino this Saturday. Uh, you can go to Spirit Mountain Casino's website for more details on that. We're going to be giving away the grand prize tomorrow. Let's see. Am I uh, taking the right? Okay, here we go. This is caller number All right, five. Hello, sir. How are you? All right, can we uh, either turn him up or can you speak up a little, sir? I can try. All right, there we go. Thank you. All right, my friend, are you a Dennis Miller fan? Yes, I am. All right. You are going to be playing for a pair of passes to see Dennis Miller this coming Saturday night at Spirit Mountain Casino. This is SNL Trivia. You get your choice here. Would you like to play SNL Trivia from the early days or SNL Trivia from the 80s? I'm going to go with the early days. Oh, the early days. All right. Of the following four, sir, who is not, I repeat, who is not an original cast member of SNL? Is it Steve Martin? Gilda Radner, Chevy Chase, or John Belushi? I say again, who is not an original SNL cast member? Steve Martin, Gilda Radner, Chevy Chase, or John Belushi? Steve Martin. Is that your final answer? Yes, it is, Rick. Congratulations, my friend. The answer is Steve Martin. That's two days in a row people have got it. Well done, sir. You are going to see Dennis Miller live at Spare Mountain Casino on Saturday night, courtesy of Spare Mountain Casino and AM970. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you very much. All right, I'll put you on hold. Richie Bristol, get your information. And uh, to the other folks, uh, my apologies. You can try again uh, tomorrow. Uh, all day tomorrow, we'll be taking your 60-second rants about a topic of your choosing, as long as it's original, uh, for your chance to see Dennis Miller Saturday night, and uh, that'll be with lodging as well. So there you go. Well done. Yay. Right. That was a good question. It was. I, uh, I was expecting people to really choke on these, but I'm impressed that they did not. All right. Uh, so let me see here. In just a moment, uh, as soon as he's done with the information, uh, Richie Bristol will be coming into the... Uh, you know, I should have gotten a new I should have gotten a new Viso during the break. Kind of feeling low on Viso right now. Do I have a Viso live read coming up? Nope. Mm, all right. I was going to use that as an excuse to walk into the kitchen coffee, buy me some Viso. This is number 5. All right. Really? That's 5. Let me see if there's one way back in the fridge. Will you get me just a little bit more coffee? I, just a little Rick. Hold on. Ah, there's, there's decaf, but I don't really want decaf. Hold on a second. Let Thank me. You. Oh, oh, sorry. There we go. 
That's okay. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a professional. I'll play through the pain. Here's the thing is, here's the, the reason I couldn't go get a visa now probably even if I wanted is because I got one of those uh, the, the newfangled $5 bills that's all covered in purple. Looks like it's British or something. Mm. And it, like the vending machine in the kitchen doesn't recognize it. It thinks I'm trying to scam them. So it keeps kicking back that $5 bill, and I've used up all my ones. I think I have a $5 bill. Do you want to trade? But that would just be pathetic, because that would be that would be. You're mean. already a junkie. You've already admitted it. You I'm, need it. I'm just saying. Uh, all right. Well, then you'll have to be filling time here while I go to the kitchen. Well, maybe Richie can come in. All right. Uh, all right. As soon as he uh, gets this guy's information, that was uh, Eric, I believe, uh, who just won a pair of passes to see uh, to see Dennis Miller. Really? Do you have a five? Okay, I'll swap you my new five. Sarah and I are now trading money in real time. There's the brand new five. Oh, it's, all right. it's Thank beautiful. You so much. You're welcome. All right. Uh, Richie Bristol, can you uh, join us in the studio, please? That would be uh, fantabulous if we could do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Richie Bristol. Now coming to the AM970 studio. Really, I never have cash. But I had right, thank it. you so much. All right, Richie. Uh, our intrepid PA now joining us on the mic. Hello, sir. Hello. All right. All right. Uh, you all talk amongst yourselves uh, for just a moment. Yes? What? Are we get, we're we going to have Richie in any way to talk about his experience? Oh, no. We're going to have him talk about the strip club thing. But I'm saying, can you all kill time for like 30 seconds while I get a visa? Yeah, sure. Let's all pretend I'm not this pathetic, huh? Okay. All right. Okay. So what's new, Richie? Uh, nothing. I'm working on two of interviews that basically will get me liquor bottles. Yeah? Are they any of mine or are they Rich? One is yours and one is Rich. <gasps> is it Luke Perry? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Was, well, which one is since Brett can't hear? What one are you working on for him? Really? Yeah. Awesome. He's in town. Oh, that's good. At the end of the month. Oh, that'll be good. He would be really stoked about that. Yep. So you got rid of some of your cats? Uh, I got two kittens left. A boy and a girl. How many did you start off with? Five. Richie, you've got to stop making that poor cat have kittens. <laughs> uh, what did I miss? Something exciting. Nothing. Nothing at all. All right. <laughs> Why, hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. You know what this is? Viso. Viso right oh, it's a sweet taste of it's a sweet taste of chemical dependence. All right. Uh, I don't even know where to start. So let's just back up. So yesterday, you came uh, in the studio and we were talking to us about how you were going to be auditioning for the job of strip club DJ. Yeah. So we won't identify the establishment, although I do have to say, I knew, uh, we won't say where it was even now, uh, you did tell us off the air which strip club you were going to be auditioning at, and I had to, it was all I could do not to go watch. But I didn't, because I didn't want you to see me, and then like, the, you know, and then be all in your head or whatever. I didn't want to throw up your mojo. You know, well, you know how it is. You, know, yeah. you have your friends there, somebody's watching you, you know, you don't want to choke. Uh, so, um, how is it that you came to know of this opening at the strip club? Uh, online. I was shopping around on But I mean, just like a one ads or whatever, yeah, you know, like, look, on Craigslist. It it wanted. I would think that a strip club DJ would be like, that they would never have any trouble filling that gig because it'd always just be a bunch of horny dudes lined up because they want to go look at boobs. I was one of them. Uh, well, <laughs> fair enough. I guess what I'm saying is it seems like that's a thing that would be handed down from generation to generation, friend to friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So what? So uh, all right. Well, whatever. Uh, okay. So you responded <laughs> and they said, you talked to them back and forth or how did, how did the initial... Conversation go. Was it over the phone or? Yeah, he called me on the phone and then uh, he asked me a few questions and he said he wanted me to come in for an audition. What were the, uh, if I can ask, without identifying the establishment, what were the initial questions he asked you? Uh, do I know how to run certain music programs and play, do I know about music? And right. And what do I know about this? You know, what experience do I have with 
The okay. Scene. And what did you, with the stripping scene? Yeah. What well, did you say? With the industry. Okay, with the industry. What did you say? Uh, I've had plenty of lap dances. <laughs> Don't get high on your own supply, Richie. Okay. Oh, Richie. Uh, and so did they ask you questions about, like, music or did your ability to sort of know what kind of songs worked? Or If I knew hip-hop and rock. Okay. That's generally what I'm really, I'm always curious about uh, to what extent girls are allowed to pick their own music. You know what I mean? Or if they got to work from, or if when a or stripper. like Mary's Club. Well, because at Mary's Club, yeah, the girls can pick whatever's on the jukebox. Um, I always wonder, maybe at strip clubs, if it's like requesting a song at a rock station, which is that maybe they'll do it, but A, only if it was probably going to get played anyway at some point, and B, only if it's in their very limited library. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so, anyway, so you go to the strip club last night. Do you uh-huh. show up? Do you have, like, your laptop and everything? No, no. How it did was, you dress? I wore a white button-up. You know, the kind I was in the picture? Right. In our picture? Okay. Just the white shirt. Okay. With no tie and my black slacks and dress shoes. So Just kind nice. of like a waiter, sort of? Like yeah. a Like a maitre d' kind I of a deal? What was the establishment like? Is it like a dirtier one? Is It It was pretty nice. Pretty nice. Is it, is it along the lines like a higher class one? Uh, Over? It's in the top 50%. You would say, okay, on the 1 to 10 scale of classy strip clubs, and this is, by the way, Portland standard, not like Vegas standard. Okay. 1 to 10, where would you place it on the class scale? Six and a half, seven and a half. All right, fair enough. Okay, so how many dudes were auditioning last night? Uh, There was one before me and one after me, I believe. And did you all show up at the same time? No, I didn't see anybody. What time did you get there? I wasn't there long enough. (laughs) Well, what what time did you get there? Uh, Seven. Okay, so you get there at seven o'clock. When did you actually go up and start doing your thing? Well, immediately he he introduced me, gave me the tour. Right. uh, Had a whole bunch of spiel about this and that and this and that and that. Right. Then he handed me off to the DJ that was working. Right. And he started showing me some program that I've never seen before and then explaining things to me. But it was basically like it was a, uh, was it a sort of piece of, like a, like a piece of software that simulates, like if you have two turntables or something like yeah. that? Because Scotty uses that, Scotty J, yeah. you know, in the DJ business. They don't use, like, real turntables anymore. It's like a simulated crossfader and everything on the screen. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So you, you get up there in the booth. There's a DJ. When you get up to, to, to start last night, um, first of all, what kind of crowd was there? Uh, there was two guys. Really? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, how, how big of a crowd could there be at 7? I don't know, who knows? You, some of those... of, I mean, I'm not going to say the location, but it's kind of like out there, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Further out. I guess. I mean, I sort of figured that strip clubs were just clou- uh, crowded all the time, you know? It is like you see those bars where like, well, you open at 7.30, and you know there's some dude is waiting out there for the doors to open. All right. So, small crowd. Uh, you get up in the booth. What is the first thing you do? Uh, did you play a song to get kind of comfortable, or did you start right off with your intro on the mic? Uh, intro on the mic, called the next girl up, and uh, hey, please now, what was it? Recreate this. Uh, what next, was the What was the girl's name? Uh, uh what do you have her stage name? Do you want to give us the give? What was her name? Was like what? Bubbles. Okay, bubbles. So, <laughs> wow. All right, so please now. That's a classy place. To the best of your ability, recreate your first introduction on the mic as a strip club DJ auditioning for the gig last night, Richie Bristol. Go. Uh, all right, make some noise for bubbles, and then next up on the stage, be ready. So and so. Did you do it with just this amount of energy? No, because at first I did that. I know you have to pretend like you're there, Richie. The inflection. But then later, after the song, they talked to me that they'd rather you just talk. They don't want that. DJ sound. They don't want you to talk like this. Yeah. Talking about Amber. So they want you to be a more casual, relatable strip club DJ? Yeah, they said they just wanted you to talk, not really say, hey, kind of thing. Oh, whatever. Do we have music for this? <laughs> Let's try to recreate. Oh, no. All right. We're going to have you recreate your strip club intro. Okay. All right. Make some noise for Bubbles. Next up on stage, Sarah. 
You Make quit. sure you're tipping. You gotta quit using Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> Sexy Sarah coming up next. Uh, this is the last song of two. Make sure you're tipping well. Thanks for coming out to blank. Okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I don't really know that you're telling me on this, Richard. Okay, so how? So that was the first song. Did you tell? Yes, but there's there was. Did you talk between every song? Yes. All right. So what was what, the content of one, some of the things you were saying? All right, that's a good question. I mean, how many times can you sort of say the same thing? Like, hey, here's some other boobs for you to look at. Put those hands together. Um, uh, you know, the thing is, I only lasted two songs. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the... Oh, please tell me, what were the two songs? Well, I don't have a filter. I don't even remember. But were they rock songs? Were yeah, they... I was supposed to be playing hip-hop, and a rock song came All right. up. All right. And they so, were... The lady... So did you pick the songs? Yeah, but I thought it was... a hip-hop song and the stripper was just hanging on to the pole looking at me just standing there was she glaring yeah because you picked the wrong song or because of the comment i made what it was the comment you made <laughs> what was the comment i don't know about you but i'm craving chocolate <laughs> did you really say that yes oh, uh, she was an attractive black woman yes well i mean i guess it's a compliment uh, i don't think she liked it Right. I think probably you need to like shake her hand first. <laughs> or maybe, yeah, refer yeah. to somebody. Seriously, that that might be a good thing. Yeah, maybe say hello, hi, I'm Richie. <laughs> <sighs> and Jesus. then I made another comment about the two guys there, and they will dance for two bucks and put your, <laughs> double what? your tip up so it's four dollars. I don't know, it's stupid. Dude, all right. What was the what was the second comment you made? What was the second song? It you was made? A, it was about the two guys. I was like, everybody made insulting the customers, just saying there's two dollars. Let me they understand will this. Dance for two for you, bucks. Hold on, let me understand <laughs> this. So the, the first time you're up. You call the stripper chocolate. You say I'm craving chocolate. The second time you're on the mic, you insult the customers. Not really. I just said there was two, and how about putting two bucks up? That'll make it four. Or sounds stupid. So highlighting wait, the no. fact that there are only two people in the whole joint. <laughs> they the, will dance and, for two dollars. Come on, guys. So wait. Oh no, no, no. Oh, oh. So you're not even oh insulting God. the customers. You actually announced on the microphone that the girl will quote dance for two dollars. <laughs> yeah. And then the red phone rang. <laughs> they have a phone in the booth. Uh-huh. And uh, get out. It rang, and then he kind of, I picked a song, and then he kind of said, we'll just thank everybody for tipping. And then after that, he left because the guy, evidently, he got called down to the office. And oh, then God. he came back, and I was just about to, the song was just about, about to over. spread more of your gems. And he says, uh, you can go now. <laughs> did he, uh, did don't he call even, us. Really? Did he even say like we'll get in touch? Yeah. Don't. He specified don't call us. All right, don't ever contact us. We'll call you if you got the job. And uh, we don't call wait, you. So you know. told the two customers <clears throat> that the girl will dance for only two dollars. So you first. So <laughs> and to pay her way through college, <laughs> double it up. To oh, four dude. Oh, Richie. Dude, were you trying to blow this? Were you drunk? No, I was very nervous, and I was trying to figure out. I played a rock song, and I thought it was a hip hop song, and so she wasn't dancing; she's just looking at. So me. you're playing the wrong music for the girl. You don't know her, and you say that you're quote craving chocolate, so you make some <laughs> reference to her skin color. Then you say on the mic for the customers and the girls to hear that they will quote dance for two dollars. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. hard to believe you didn't get the gig. Uh, Tim Riley, you worked for one night as a, uh, a men's club DJ, did you not? I did. All right. How do you feel about Richie's performance? <laughs> I might have given him another chance, but I don't know how many guys were there to try out for this. Uh, three? Well, because you said that your your roommate, she danced there, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I have to tell you, I've known a fair number of strip club DJs in my life, and it's not like you've got to be the brightest bulb in the bank well, to get that I'm game. not. <laughs> All right. Well done, Richie Bristol. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, and you know what? Here's another question. No, I have no idea. I'm pulling out as I'm leaving, uh -huh. and I go into the lane, and guess who's right next to me? I don't know. The chick with her baby. <laughs> 
What chick with her baby? The chicken. I have the chocolate to you. that you were craving. No, no, no. Oh, the chicken the girl, I'm supposed the best to talk friend. Oh God, the, the girl friend. really? Yeah. Oh, man, your life is. And weird. she was right there, and I look over, and she saw me, so I ended up having to pull over and talk to her. Stop. How did that go? All right. Baby's cute. All right. Well, tomorrow we want. We'll talk about this girl that wants to live with you. All right. All right. Thank you, Richie Bristol. Bye, Jesus. <laughs> All right. She'll dance for two dollars. She's trying to work her way through college, double it up, and make it four. <laughs> God damn. God, he's just, if I didn't know him, I think he's such a jerk. I would. I mean, I think he was probably trying to be funny, but you don't. That's. But that's not. But Richie's not mean either. I think he no. probably just got nervous and didn't know what to say. Jesus. All right. Uh, do we need the break here? Yeah. All right. We'll break. We'll come back. Uh, Tim Riley will have more headlines for us and quite possibly the top five if we have room. It's 503 733 2970. Back after this, kids. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Oh, thanks so much. Next up is Sarah. Stop using Sarah bubbles. She'll take off her clothes for a dollar. That's got to make her feel good. That'll really make you me want. Specify that you've been thinking the stripper, not me. I'm clearly talking about the stripper. You said Sarah. I'm doing. That's what Richie's always saying, though. That's because you're like your, you're like his go-to name. I just love the idea. I mean, that'll make you stand on stage and really, really rethink like community. <laughs> and maybe think about community college a little bit. Huh? I'm gonna have something for the two dollars. <laughs> uh, I bet strippers dance to this. It's sexy, yeah. Those girls who climb the pole and slowly slide down. Seductive. I like the idea that they have a red phone in the booth that rang, and Richie picked it up and the guy would leave and never come back. <laughs> he's not here right now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Is Kim Jong-il ill? He failed to appear at a triumphant military parade celebrating the state's 60th birthday. And he may have suffered a stroke. The parade and his absence come as the reclusive communist state appears to be backed away from a deal on getting rid of its uh, nuclear program. Actually, they should because that uh, that nuclear thing they have is a Russian-made thing. You know how quality their work. I was so I'm, it was so unclear about whether they had a nuclear program. Wasn't the thing where they claimed they had it and then we weren't yeah. sure? Mm-hmm. But they do, but they, it's all Russian-made? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that tells us what we need to know, Tim. Uh, then a Los Angeles hospital that downsized last year amid allegations of shoddy patient care had more than 100 employees with arrest records, dozens more than previously reported. Uh, apparently, uh, the auditor's report says 152 of the 1,600 employees at the hospital, this is the uh, Harbor MLK Hospital, had criminal arrest records. The hospital's competency exams were made easier, and managers allowed staffers to take the exams numerous times until they passed. <laughs> Excellent. It's not unlike the CBS Eye on Ethics test. That's true. Did I you take done, yours? Not yet. Can I tell you? I, I How many times did it take? Did you fail? Uh, I did. I failed the first time only because I wasn't really paying attention. Because I was taking the CBS Eye on Ethics test while I was doing like three other things and answering my voicemail. Uh, so I failed the first time, but then they helpfully say, no, 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 here, no, take it again, Rick Emerson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went back and I took it again and I passed uh, that time. 
But but then you realize that they don't even really. You know what the CBS I and ethics test is like? It's like the terms of service when you install any piece of software. You know, nobody reads that. You scroll all the way to the bottom. Yes, I agree. Done. You know, and then it finishes the installation. That's how it is with the CBS test. You know, there could be something, I mean, really important buried in there, but I would never know because no one ever reads it. Well, they need to do something important like, as a CBS employee, you will flush the toilet every time. Well, that's asking too much, Tim. As a CBS employee, you will have at least rudimentary training on how to use the bathroom properly so as not to leave your filth everywhere. Jesus. Do you ever get a ticket thing? Uh, like a like a ticket master, you know what a ticket salute, you know like a buy tickets here for some band you didn't even know was still alive. No, it's on sale tomorrow morning. Sisters of Mercy. Who even knew the Sisters of Mercy were still drawing air? Well, so much for that. Anyone? Not Sisters me. of Mercy fans in the house? No. No. Right. Well, they're terrible. I mean, it, it, but I mean, there's sort of a typo negative of the '80s. It's a lot of like, but I, I sort of figured they were all dead by now. Apparently not. Although it is interesting to note that the photographs of them are taken, A, from really far away, B, no, no, no joke here, through fog, and like an inch high. So it's impossible to tell what they actually look like. All right, here's Tim Riley. Let's do the top five. Let's do the top five. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. The Sisters of Mercy are sort of um, not unlike Typo Negative. They're a band that you think is... The first three or four times you hear them, until you get a friend of yours that's a fan and clues you in, you think it's a joke. Like you think that they're sort of a goof, because it just sounds ridiculous. And then you meet, and then you meet some, you know, some person who's probably a girl who cuts herself, who says like, no, 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 they're really deep. No, it's like they, it's like they see into the the gray bouquet of roses that is my heart, you know, or whatever. All right, it's Tim Riley. It's the most American of female names. It means everything from innocence to drugs to seduction. And it rhymes with 50,000 things. It's Jane. And these are the top five songs written about her. Jane is sort of the uh, like the moon or spoon of the uh, girl name rhyming world. But honorable mention going to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Mary Jane's last dance. So it's honorable mention because it's Mary Jane and not just Jane, but they can't leave it off if people kill you. You know, I know we say this a lot about Tom Petty, and I know that this song is over a decade old now. I'm going to talk about a guy that just continues to crank out good songs every phase of his career. Oh, yeah. He's never stopped making good music. I love this song. Great video, too. She grew up in Indiana town, had a good-looking mother. She never was around, but she grew up tall and she grew up right with the Indiana boys on an Indiana night. And really, if it wasn't for this song, the Red Hot Chili Peppers wouldn't have had anything to steal for that last single they put on. This is a great creepy video where he's like, it's like one of our corpse watches. He's like the Undertaker or the morgue worker or whatever. And he steals Kim Basinger's corpse and then he's like, I don't know, dancing and having dinner or something. And you know what? This isn't even like a regular single. This was like one of those two new tracks on his greatest hits. Because, you know, normally when they do one of those greatest hits records, like Kenny Rogers has got that new one that's coming out now. That there's, there, I swear to God, the new Kenny Rogers compilation, because he's now reached that point where he only does compilations, being sold exclusively at Cracker Barrel. And it's got two new songs, which no one cares about. This was one of those two new songs. This was It was this, and the other one was a cover of Something in the Air. And I mean, the idea that it was not only a great song, but it was almost a throwaway song. It was just a, a bonus track on a compilation. It's still better than, you know, most of the new rock being put out by bands of his era. I love Tom Petty. Uh, kind of the top five uh, Jane songs of all time. Number five, Starship with Jane. God, I hate this song. 
I hate this song so much. I wanted to be objective, though. I wanted to put these songs on regardless of my own personal feelings. This is a terrible song. Somewhere Scotty J is smiling and pumping his fist in the air. It's the sound of corporations making music. What? Starship. As in, uh, we can build this dream together, holding on forever, and nothing's going to stop us now. It's all the same song. Yes, it is. This, is. this song is also Hold the Line by Toto. Oh, yeah. This one's just like Hold the Line by Toto, another bad, terrible corporate band. It's hard to believe that this is the same band, kind of, that did, like, White Rabbit. It's an awful song. By the way, uh, 80s rock fans in the house will want to know that to put this song on the list, which I did, again, out of a sense of objective fairness, I had to take off Same Jane by Kicks, which is a vastly superior song. Who would possibly want to listen to this song? Yeah, I suppose. All right, let's move on. The top five Jane songs of all time. I can't take this. Number four, L.A. Guns with the Battle of the Ballad of Jane. This is a great song. This was uh, this song was a little scandalous. That's the wrong word. A little. Uh... Oh, that was me. Sorry. Uh, this song was a little controversial uh, when it came out for two things. One. It was widely uh, speculated that the girl in the song committed suicide, and that was, you know, considered kind of that's what passed for edgy, uh, like in the sort of pre-Guns and Roses era. Uh, and so, when they say it's a shame what happened to Jane, the theory was that she sort of offed herself, which is one of, I think, two suicide-oriented power ballads that same year. The other one being "Don't Close Your Eyes" by Kix. Uh, and also in the video for the song, the guitar player had, wait for it, cut his hair. Not even, like, really short. It was, like, sort of Izzy Stradlin short. It was kind of, you know, like Rod Stewart short. But it was all, like, sort of, you know, like, he's a big sellout because he cut his hair. Because, you know, rock is stupid. It was one of those things that it's hard to believe you really cared about the fact that a guy in a band made a cut his hair at one point. Sort of like how we all cared that the bands used keyboards and, like, that was considered, like, a big sellout move or whatever. Anyway. Good song, though. Number three, Aerosmith. Jane E's got a gun. This is a truly great song, even now. And that great, uh, creepy David Fincher Lolita video. Really, even now, unlike anything else that Aerosmith's ever done. You know, any idea... Uh, it's weird, you know, you look back at this video. I mean, and we talk about now movies like Fight Club or Seven or uh, Zodiac. And, like, how clearly warped and effed in the head David Fincher is. But it was all evident. It was all over this video. I mean, looking at this video, you can already see how warped that guy was. And it, was it was no coincidence that this is the guy who went on to make, uh, you know, to make seven. And this came out, and I think... 90, maybe? 91? That's when the Pump album came out. And this, I think, was right on the heels of Love in an Elevator. And really kind of an unconventional single for those guys. And the video is all kinds of creepy because there's that, like, that weird shot of 
the, the the wife looking at the husband, who in turn is looking at the underage daughter who's lying in, on a, the chair in, the, in a bikini in the sun, wearing, I think, actually the heart-shaped Lolita glasses. Not enough songs about patricide. Counting on the top five Jane songs. Tim Riley. Number two, Jane's Addiction and Jane Says. On K-Rock. Boy, this is this really sums up an era, this song. Jane Says. Wow. hell is Perry Farrell now? What's that guy even at? You know, it's weird to think that the, you know, the, the guy who co-wrote this song and played guitar in it later on, you know, went to be on Rockstar Supernova. I don't even really know what I can say about Jane's Addiction because I wasn't a fan at the time and I'm really not a fan now. But I will say that probably more than any other band, they embody that, that alternative nation era. It was the long-awaited album that came up. Yeah. This is during the K-Rock times. I mean, they they probably encapsulate or symbolize that sort of Lollapalooza alternative era better than any other band. And not just because he started Lollapalooza, but I mean, they just, they really embodied a whole sound. God, this guy's one big walking freak parade. Did you ever hear that his follow-up band, that Porno for Pyros band? Oh, yeah. That's the oh, worst. Porno for Pyros is so bad. Oh, they're awful. I was a DJ, and I, right as that came out, I had to play it. That was some of the worst music you've ever heard in your life. The only thing worse, the only thing worse than Porno for Pyros was, like, a lot of the James Addictions fans sort of having to, like, nod their heads sagely and pretend that they were into it. Because, like, they, they couldn't bring themselves to admit that he'd made crap. Ugh. All right. Canada, the top five Jane songs. Tim Riley. Number four, the Cowboy Jankies and Sweet Jane. I didn't write Jankies, did I? Oh, sorry. That's my error. Junkies. Cowboy Jankums. Is that number one? It's number one. Oh, yeah. Cowboy Jankums. And yeah, I know, Velvet, Velvet Underground, blah, blah, blah. But even Lou Reed says this is the definitive version of the song. All right. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven. Uh, top of the hour, the way through Lycus. Boy, what a great song. And really, this is uh, this is the definitive uh, reading of this material. By the unbelievably gorgeous Margot Timmons. And, I mean, the tale has been told so often that it's gone stale now, but, you know, they, they recorded this whole album around one microphone uh, and I think just one take in an old church, which is pretty righteous. Somebody told me they won't play this anymore. Uh, that I think they actually came to Kink one time, and they were in the Kink Performance Lounge. They the Play Sweet Jane, which is their biggest hit. And they wouldn't play it because they didn't like the fact that it was a Natural Born Killers. And so it's some weird, like, hippy-trippy, anti-violence uh, protest. They like, won't play it anymore. I think Tim misnumbered them, so I'm getting a bunch of emails from people saying, No Sweet Jane! So I think Tim said, uh... His addiction was number one. Oh, really? Oh, uh, well. <laughs> I think this is number four. Well, him. here you go. Uh, take a break. Back after this to wrap it up. It's the Rick Emerson Show.
Sad is part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. By the way, I'm already getting preemptive emails about Rick James. Here's the thing. Rick James and Tom Petty both had a song, because Rick James has a song, Mary Jane. So I really, it was really all but flipping a coin to decide between Rick James, Mary Jane, and Tom Petty, Mary Jane's Last Dance. So let's all just have to be, we'll have to be fine with that. Let me play a little bit of Sisters of Mercy. You know the Rolling Stones song, Gimme Shelter? Mm-hmm. All right, this is, let me just play a little bit of the Sisters of Mercy version of this. Let me just skip ahead. Doesn't it sound like a joke? No, it sounds like a joke. It's like someone slowed down a song and yeah. like put some devilish singer. And he's got that Joy Division thing to have singing in the other room. So, you know, there you go. Uh, you'll be able to see them for only $42, Sarah. Do I have time for one call? Sure. All right, final call of the day. Don't suck, please. Hey, Rick. Hey, Sarah. Yes. Hello. Oh, uh, I know you know the McRib is back. Yes, sir. And uh, so I went to McDonald's. I got some bacon on the McRib, and uh-huh. it was pure ecstasy. Is it the best thing ever? Yes. Excellent. You're, mean, go- you're a good American, sir. Thank you. Double pork it. Best show ever. There you go. Double pork it. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Bob Costantini, uh, uh, Jim Roop, and Steve Kastenbaum, as well as Nina Parker. Join us tomorrow, and I guess we'll include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Rick Emerson Show, produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman for AM 970. The talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley, the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, director of engineering, Brian Jones, webmistress, the newly married Bridget from upstairs, and CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Donat with me, Reynolds. Like us next. Michael Mara Show at 7. See you at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind it down. Watch out for snakes and so forth. Bye now. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. <laughs>